expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Well, here we go. It's episode 66 of Down and Nerdy, where much like the arcade games of old, we often get asked, who put a quarter in you today? <laughs> and as we get older, it means something totally different. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm James <laughs> with him alongside. Dick Battaglia, the Merc with one arm. Yeah, and that man. That one arm is sore right now. Oh, my God. Oh, and not, not for that reason. No. Not for that reason. No. Uh, no, it was E3, man. It, it, you know, we're, we're live streaming E3. We're talking about it and everything else. And yeah, I mean, it's just, oh my God, my, I've never typed so much in my life and my arm is just, it hurts so bad. I mean, and, and we were both just as much as we can getting everything up for you guys, uh, trying to be your number one source for E3 news. And, and thank you for any of our new followers out there. Of course, we always thank our faithful followers, but also thanks to our new followers that joined us for our coverage. We really appreciate that. Also, quickly, I'll go back to your whole quarter thing. When you were at the arcade back in the day, you know, we all saw the quarters line, which means, you know, you got next pretty much. Did you ever be that dick who saw them and just took them and just ran and just wanted to play other games and some other people's tokens? Never. No, never. I never did that. There's etiquette, man. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to know, especially, you know, I'm a little older than you are. So, I mean, there there was definitely etiquette there. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you, if you were that kid, there were five other kids that were going to jump to the person's defense and beat that kid's ass. I can tell you that right now. There well, the was- thing is too. Well, the thing is too is that um, my thing was when I was you know younger, and then the, when arcades were actually a thing, and people would do that. But the thing is that they would put it there, but they would never come back. Like there'd be, I literally would see a token, and then on a, on a game, and they come back the next day, and the same fucking token will be there. I mean, and, hey, if you don't come back, you don't come back. That's yeah. on you. At that, yeah. at that point, I I take their spot. Like, okay, I'm here. Like, oh, well, they wait. I'm like, they're not here, are they? No, then shut up. I, I mean, there, I say there's etiquette there, but there's also there's also a line. Okay. Yeah. If you you don't come back within a reasonable amount of time, you you're gone, man. I mean, you you gave it up. Yeah. Sorry. It's like when you get a drink out of the vending machine, you forget your change, and then five minutes later you go, oh man, I for, I forgot to get my change out of the change slot. Tough luck, buddy. Yeah. It's gone now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, going back to E3, it, it's just, you know, it's... It, well, plus, I mean, let's, let's start off on the other side, too, of we thought that, because what, James, you saw on the main website, they can't get their dates together. Yeah, what in the freaking hell is wrong with you and your web developers? I, Nick and I were talking over the weekend. We're saying, okay, so everything's going to start Tuesday, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll kind of rest a little bit on Monday and everything will be okay. So I get up when I usually get up because my son wakes me up and I wake up from a text from Nick that says, uh, Microsoft is starting in like 20 minutes. And I said, dude, <laughs> it doesn't even start till tomorrow. What are you talking about? And he's like, well, they're saying that they're starting now. I said, that's stupid. So I go and I look and sure enough, they're there. So I'm like, what the hell? What was the point of having the official E3 website? Posting that E3 begins on day on June 16th through the 18th. And what is this day zero bullshit? This isn't a zero issue. This isn't like comics. 
You can't just do that. So apparently they decided to start, you know, it was like spur of the moment. You know what? We got a lot of people here, so let's just go. What the hell is that about? And that's the thing. I know people probably say, oh, you guys didn't check or no. It's like we checked on the official website. Like it said it started on Tuesday because it's like day one starts Tuesday. So whenever somebody says day one starts Tuesday, it means day one starts fucking Tuesday. Day one still means something to me, okay? Yeah. Day one means something to me. So I don't know... What the hell they were thinking. I'm just glad that we caught it. Now, I'm nice to, well, you must not be big gaming fans then if you didn't know. Oh, you know what? I'll admit it. I'm not balls deep on everything that has to do with gaming, okay? I have a child here that I have to take care of. I can't spend every waking second on gaming news. I like to think I'm pretty knowledgeable, but it's like, what the hell, man? You're going to get on my case for not knowing every little intricacy of what's going on? So, I- I'm just a little disappointed. And then, they couldn't get the time of the PC gaming conference right either. It said 8, and it ended up being 9. So, I'm like, come on, man. I I, I'm, I have a joke in my head right now. I'll tell you it off the air, but I can't say that on the air because it's, it's too bad. It's Uh-oh. it's horrific. Uh-oh. Yeah. But, no. But, no. That's the thing. Like, I, I play video games, but I'm not, again, I don't have the money to go out and spend X amount, 60 bucks or whatever, each week when new Who games come does? out. Who does? Honestly, let's be honest with ourselves. Who does? We'll right. get into that later. Right. I'm just saying. Well, it's also a time thing as well. It's just like, you know, I buy games that interest me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go buy this. I'm not going to buy like, ooh, this is out. I'm going to go buy it. No, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's easy to buy a $3 comic. It's easy to walk into Bob's A Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach and just say, you know what? This is a $3 comic. I'm going to grab it and take a chance on it. When you go to Best Buy and say, oh, or if you go to the Down and Nerdy Amazon store and you go, oh, 60 bucks, I'll give that a shot. Nobody's going to do that. That's ridiculous. Exactly, exactly. That's going to do it for our intro. And we're, again, we're going to talk about E3 uh, this week. It's going to be a little bit of a different show. We're not going to be doing what we're reading. We're not really going to be doing nerd news because it's all E3. But what we are going to do is, of course, Jurassic World came out and just obliterated box offices, and we saw it over the weekend. So, you know what? We're going to review Jurassic World. That's coming up next, right here on Down and Nerdy. This is Abby Darkstar, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, grab that popcorn, but be sure not to venture too far off the path, because it's this week in Geektainment, and what turned out to be the biggest box office opening of all time, Nick, Jurassic World, and it did not disappoint. No, it did not. Now... The opening weekend, okay, it took in a lot of money just on Thursday and Friday alone. However, at the end of the weekend, it amassed $208.8 million. That only beat Age of Ultron by about $18 million because Age of Ultron had about $191.2 million. It beat the original of the first Avengers film by a million dollars. Now, I'm just going to take a quick second because I saw something that rubbed me the wrong way yesterday. Okay. It was a story that came out, and it was cute, don't get me wrong, where Marvel congratulated Jurassic World for being the all-time biggest box office opening, and they had a cute little picture with Chris Pratt on top of a dinosaur and all that stuff, and people were saying, good for Marvel. Really? We're congratulating them for losing now and being good sports about it? So, what? I don't understand how this is a story. Well, I mean... 
Chris Pratt is Star Lord, so I think that in a sense they might be obliged to do it. But I mean, I understand. But it's still, like, why are oh, we I, praising them for that? You know. Well, I understand. It's kind of like nowadays, like in sports, when like Yankees and the Red Sox lose, and then there's no brawl afterwards. Right? Everybody's like, "Oh, hey, you know, Dave Ortiz, let's go hang out afterwards and shit like that." You I'm know, I'm saying there has to be a brawl, but I mean. <sighs> Why are we why are we patting them in the back for that? Do we have to give them credit for every little thing that they do? I mean, they did not granted they didn't have to do it, and I don't think they should have done it, but they did, and it was cute. But, but how do you? But here's here's okay. Let me flip the script now. How do you feel if DC if if Batman vs Superman was where the Avengers were, okay, and Jurassic World beat that, and DC said did the same thing where you I know, feel the exact same way. You feel the exact same way. The exact same way because it's, it's not it's unnecessary. They're they're just doing it to keep their name out there. And oh remember, yeah! Look, remember, we've got movies too, and and our movies are going to be great, kind of thing. So like, d- don't kid yourselves. This wasn't some altruistic pat on the back. Oh no! For the it, it was pretty much like it was pretty much a reminder of. Remember, we had the spot before you did, and we held it for you know since 2012, and I believe. It was kind of their way of saying enjoy it while it lasts because we've got Star Wars in December. Yeah. Exactly. But let's get back to talking about Jurassic World because that is the real news of this week. Exactly. So Phil Corris, directed by Kyle Trevorrow, stars Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. And it's a direct sequel uh, to the to Jurassic Park. And boy, did they beat you over the head with that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that what they did was they paid a nice homage to the first film. Like when the kids... Now, this is going to be spoilers, kids, so just keep that in mind. When the kids go into what we find out is the old park... And they pick up the banner. You had to geek out a little bit oh, when they I did. pick up the banner. That was the part where, and what James was talking about is, there's a part where in the movie where these kids, uh, <clears throat> goddamn kids, they go off the off the beaten path, and they run, they're being chased by the Indominus Rex, and they run to this building, and the building ends up being that building in the first Jurassic Park where the T-Rex defeats the raptors and the banner falls over it. So... They're out of the old park. It was really cool to see how the, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like a pet cemetery where it's like, or poltergeist, you move the bodies where you didn't move, remove the headstone, but you didn't move the bodies. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and then, and then they go further into the, into the, into the building and they find the Jeeps and then I'm fixing up one of the Jeeps to, to escape out of the building and everything. I'm like, yay, it's the original Jeeps again. Yay. Yeah, the night vision goggles. And yeah, the- yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that was awesome. But then there, and they had the guy you know wearing the Jurassic Park shirt, and the Bryce Dallas Howard's character was like, "Yo, should you be wearing that?" It's that like was what? Great. It's like, oh, the the park. He's like, it was awesome. <laughs> you know. And, uh, I understand but, people die, but it was still cool. <laughs> but there are parts of the, of the film where they they again, I think they beat over the head a little bit, not too much, but it, 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 I got to the point where I was like, okay, we get it. It's a direct sequel to Jurassic Park. We get it. Because where there's parts where they take scenes from the first movie, and it's not the first one to do this. A lot of films do it. But I'm at that point now where when you do things like we're going to take a scene from the first movie and just interchange the person, it really was like, okay, it's lazy script writing. Because at that point, like, you know, we don't know what to write here. Well, so going to put this scene in that you like for the first one. For example, like Bryce Dallas Howard running with the flare and, the, you know, with the T-Rex. Jeff Goldblum, hey, everybody like the Goldblum thing. Let's let's do that, you know? Okay, Back to the Future, okay? okay? Back to the Future was basically the same movie three times with different little intricacies here and there. And Back to the Future might be the greatest trilogy ever. So I wouldn't call that lazy writing and be like, huh, 
look how they did this differently this time. I understand your point, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think that if Back to the Future can do it, why the hell can't uh, Jurassic Park do it? At least they didn't take cues from, like, Lost the Lost World or anything like that. It's not like they were going back to number two or number three, because as far as they're concerned, that never happened. Right. And also, I mean, with the climax, too. The climax, you know, again, it's a spoiler-filled, so I'm sorry, but uh, you know, it made over $8 million, so I suspect everybody listening fucking saw it. Uh, the thing is, with after this movie, no more T-Rex final battle. Like, I'm done. Like, you know... Uh, I, I get it, but you can, if, if the movie ended and they didn't use the T-Rex in that battle... You'd have been like, what the hell? They had a T-Rex sitting right there, and they didn't use it. But mind you, that's like three times. No, all four movies. I mean, yes, I'm counting Lost World and Jurassic Park 3, where a T-Rex was the third act thing. First one, T-Rex saves the the people from the raptors. Second one, T-Rex goes through San Francisco. Third one, T-Rex, well, maybe not the third act of Jurassic Park 3, but... He had the fight with the Spinosaurus, which true, is... True, true, but he didn't strike the final blow. No. It was the Mesosaur that struck the final blow. So that was a nice little holy shit moment right there in the final battle where it wasn't the T-Rex. T-Rex was losing for a bunch of it until the until the final raptor showed up and kind of evened up, the, evened up the score a little bit and then drove it towards the Mesosaur tank who ended up striking the final blow. So if anything, I think this was a nice little play off of okay we know we have to use the t-rex because people will kill us if we don't but the t-rex is not going to be the necessarily be the winner here but I mean, because i think that the outcome would have been a lot different if we didn't have those two other things in the mix but I mean, i'm saying in the theater the scene where they're they don't really show the t-rex like oh it's feeding time and they just you hear it and everything else at that point you knew, I knew, I'm like, okay, there's going to be something in the third act with the T-Rex. It's probably going to be a fight. And I was right. And I, well, I did like, I mean, that's why you go see Jurassic World 2 is because it's dinosaurs and it, you, you want to see the dinosaur and dinosaur yeah, action. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't want to see the Indom- Indominus fight Indominus. the T-Rex. Yeah. I mean, you do. You had to at some point. But it's at that point where, they, where you know, it leaves off for a spinoff or a sequel, I should say. And at that point, it's like no more. Like, well, Chris, like, no more. Chris Pratt, I think, said they got him signed for another 80 movies. Pretty much. In, in an interview. So I, I'm okay with there being uh, with there being a sequel. I think that they had a lot of, of different stuff in this movie, actually. Like the like the pterodactyl scene where they actually bust loose. And it was the uh, pterodactyls and the... I think it was the uh, Anirogothanus. Yeah. Uh, was the other flying dinosaur that kind of terrorized the the park? And I'm sorry, dude, but one of the fa- one of my one of the best scenes in the movie was when the pterodactyl picks up the uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's assistant. There, oh my they god! They pick her up and they drop her, and then they pick her up and drop her, pick up her, drop her, and then of course the uh, mesosaur has the last laugh there as well. But but let me talk about that. It's kind of like she gets the most brutal death I think in the film. It's kind of like what did this person ever do besides look hot? And yeah, I know. Back of the kids. <laughs> Like, she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, she lost track of the fucking stupid-ass kids. But, you know, ugh, why did she need to get that, die that way? If anything, I wanted the kids to fucking die that way. That would be great. Oh, come on, man. Dude, I hated the kids in this fucking You movie. hate children. That's no, well-established on this show. <laughs> you hate, hate children. children and and that, and that go back to our previous episodes, and, and you'll find out that Nick hates kids. I don't hate kids. I 
like kids in films when they're used properly and are not fucking annoying and are not used as a plot device that doesn't do anything. Like, the whole reason they're there is because the whole divorce thing. They never expand upon that. Actually, the reason they're there is because the young kid was dying to go. That's no, why well, they also wanted, because that's why the, they wanted the to The parents are going through the divorce, and they didn't want the kids to be there during the fucking divorce proceedings. They say, hey, your aunt just no, so happens to work in Jurassic I, World. Let's I, I send the kids there. No, I don't think that's what it was was at all. Just it's because your, they saw the two letters on the, on, the, on the table, they weren't sending them away so they wouldn't be part of the divorce, I don't think. But again, it's one of the things where they were going to visit their aunt. Actually, but again, it was the whole divorce angle. At least that's what my thing is. I think they set him them off because of, hey, we're going to start this whole divorce proceedings, and we don't want them to be here during it because it's going to get messy probably. And so it's to send them off to my aunt or to their aunts, who is you know Jurassic World, that gets all the passes. And also, you know, uh, when the mom is like. Uh, when I was t- talking to the aunt, she's like, "Why did you? Why aren't you with the kids?" Like, bitch, the fu- she's fucking working. Like, she's like part of the head of the, almost close to the head of the million billion dollar company. You know, she's got to work. She gave your kids full fucking access and wristbands and free food and vouchers. Back the fuck up. That that's a, that's that's a good point. But we don't know what plans were made. Maybe she said, "Yeah, I'll be with the kids the whole time," and then she bails on them. So I don't. But again, know. it's it's one of those things where it's not that we so I'm not gonna say like. You know, I, oh, that's probably what it was. Yeah, I, I don't even, I don't even care about. But it. the kids in this one, and, the, and you look at the kids in the first one, they were there because John Hammond, like, they were there because he's like, oh, I wanted to show him this. And this is this is exactly what you were saying. It's about, fan- about the connection between yeah. the first one and this one. Yeah. It was the same thing. They were there because they were related to somebody that worked at the park. It's it's that same device. The, it's the Back to the Future but device. With this one, it, with, with the first movie though, it worked because the kids weren't annoying like and also there are parts where like i, I think it's well, not, also you, parts, you can make an argument that the kid was annoying in the first one no no not you really. could make that argument no because the, because the kid dressed world the younger kid is pretty much a direct carbon copy of the young boy tim in the first movie and because he's a smart one he talks about all his stuff like all his stats everything else when he's talking it's annoying the older person <laughs> You'll find that's most kids when they're interested in something. Right, though. but still. And now here's the thing, too, is that uh, there were parts where, in the first movie, where I felt the kids actually were in danger. Like, were, like, for Christ's sakes, like, the actual T-Rex goes through the glass, which wasn't, actually wasn't supposed to happen in real life, but goes mm-hmm. through the glass, and you're like, oh my god, they're, they're going to actually die. And then there's a part where Tim gets electrocuted on that nice, huge fence, and you're like, oh my god, he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. And this one, I didn't feel that because I'm like, they're not gonna kill the kids. And even you know, there was no yeah, parts. But that's where I felt not like fair. That's not fair either because after the first one, when they didn't kill the kids, did you really think they were gonna kill the kids in this one? Not to mention, it's a PG-13 movie. But I understand it's 2015. But they're I, not gonna kill the kids. But I understand Spielberg likes using kids in films. But come on, dude. Like I know you're an executive producer on this, but still, come on. I mean, enough's enough. I thought they were annoying. I thought that they really didn't serve a purpose other than to the only purpose I think they served in the movie was pretty much to go to the. At, the old ruins of the park and find that stuff. Well, they also humanized Bryce Dallas Howard's character in, in towards the end of the movie where yeah. she was this cold career woman. And then all of a sudden when she thought she got her nephews murdered, she decided to start being a human being again, kind of thing. And that's well, where the whole sexism thing rolls in. 
Yeah, but I don't think that should be. That's the. I don't think that should be. That should be a part. If it was, if it we just started on Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt's character, I think we may have been a lot. I mean, I like the movie. I'm not saying I hate it, but I think it would have been a lot stronger. Probably could take it a much different direction if right, it was Chris that, Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard. But the kids being in it also draws kids in to see this movie, which this but movie again, was. This movie wait, was not wait, for kids. Wait, there you go. This was about the drawing kids. This was not that for kids. So what the fuck's the point? Well, because Hollywood is greedy, dude. They put kids in there so they'll get kids to go see it and get the shit scared out of them. <sighs> and get the parents thinking, oh, it's okay to bring my child. Once you bought the ticket, it's too late. Yeah, but I mean, Chris Pratt's character was drawn really, really well. I like the oh, yeah. things that the film did do really, really well. They did draw a dynamic of Chris Pratt being the alpha when it came to the Raptors. Uh, you know, and they did it where, you know, they did a great job with that. Um, they did a great job with telling you what the Indominus Rex was made of as the movie goes on. You know, we find out... Okay, she made it look like she escaped by clawing up the wall, even though she did it. But yet we couldn't find out the you know her vital signs. Well, turns out she's like what part tree frog. Yep. So they can adapt like that, and, and they can lower their vital signs to where they're unnoticeable, and undetectable. Um, okay, she can camouflage herself. How is she able to do that? Well, she's part cuttlefish. Cuttlefish can do that. Okay, well, of course, she's a size, like, over 50 feet tall. She's a T-Rex, so that's part T-Rex. Then the final part is, because you notice four parts, the raptors, after that nice scene where they're playing, like, hide-and-seek, they're trying to find the Adonis Rex, she's communicating with them, so, of course, she's part raptor, and the raptors turn on the humans. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, of course, was, it was one of those things where, <sighs> as much, I think Vincent D'Onofrio, after Daredevil, went to them and said, you know what, you want me to be in this movie, but can you just give me something where I can just mail it in? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I kind of did all my acting at Daredevil. I, I, get, I get what they were doing, and I don't think that, it doesn't matter who played that role, I don't think that it was going to be a heavy, deep thing anyway, so I get what they were doing, but, I mean, I didn't even care when he died, really, but part of me was like, no, he was so good as Kingpin. Yeah, and you <laughs> killed him, kind of. Thing. <laughs> you killed Kingpin, but it was like his thing where like, when he gets killed, it wasn't as it wasn't as uh, I would say fruitful, but it wasn't it wasn't as yeah, he's finally dead. It was more oh, he's dead, <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Yeah, but I mean, overall, with this movie, like I said, the kids were. Not, I think I I just can't get over that. Um, uh, I think we we know. Yeah. We know you can't get over that. Um, I think that. Uh, sorry if I sound stuffed up. My nose is actually kind of stuffy. But by uh, when, I, when you look at it, and I look at Jurassic World, you know, in a way they had all the characters and everything else. I liked it. Um, also, the CG. I think when they went full CG with the Indominus Rex, a lot of people I talked to who saw it in 3D. I know you saw it in 3D, mm-hmm. but they said that when you see it in 3D. You can see all. It's kind of like you know, seeing the zipper in the back of the costume. Yeah, I totally disagree with that. Completely, one hundred percent disagree. I didn't have any problem with it. I, like I understand a lot of it was practical. A good, a certain portions of it was practical, but I mean, I think there were certain things where, you know, you look at the first movie and then everything was pretty much mostly practical with a little bit of CG. Right, but if they had the technology in twenty fifteen available for the first movie, don't you think they would have used it? I think they absolutely would have used it. Well, they kind of did. It just wasn't up to what it is right, now. Right, but you're talking 25 years ago, well, CG that, versus CG now. Well, I think we're going to get to that. We're getting at point two, James, where CG is getting too good to where you can spot easily spot it out now. Like, that's the thing. Uh, see, I don't know. I mean, I think that's nitpicky. I really do. I think it's nitpicky. I mean, 
It was a great movie. Can we enjoy the fact that we had dinosaurs beating the hell out of each other without looking for pixels and shit? Let's just enjoy the damn thing. I don't understand why we can't do that now. CG might be getting too good, but you know what? It's good. Too good is one of those oxymorons. Do we not want things to be good? Do we not want things to advance? Should we say, you know what? CG should stop right here because no, it's well, getting no, too good. It's kind of, no, because it's kind of like saying when you watch TV, you have the 4K TV, you're watching uh, an HD channel, and the show doesn't look like a show anymore. It looks like you're actually on set, and it takes you out of it. That's what I'm getting to. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. It was, it, it's like, it, especially for sporting events, it's going to get to the point where you're not going to have to go to a sporting event anymore because it's going to look like you're there anyway because the TVs are so good. So you're actually going to save money by advancements in technology. I don't necessarily, I think all of us would want to be in the room, wouldn't we? Ultimately, don't we want to get to that point where it feels like we're actually in the room? I think so. You want because to that like would be a lot cooler. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you have loved to have felt like you were in Avengers Tower during Ultron? Here's the thing. You want to feel like you're in the movie, but you don't want to feel like you're on set of said movie. That's well, I'm not seeing like key grips and shit off to the left. I'm watching a movie here. But still, it's that... It's, it's, with technology, it's that form of fantasy. It's that, it's that kind of escape thing. So it's kind of like if you get too much realism in there, like like where you feel like you're on set, it breaks that mold of fantasy and it, it makes it real but not in a good way. So we should just can virtual reality completely. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> See, I think I think that there's a market for that. I think that if you could feel like you were actually standing next to Batman, you would lose your shit. But you're not really saying it's a bad man, though. Right! Well, can't you just enjoy shit? Just be there. Just enjoy what? it because it's there. This you is sh- your this is your film degree thing coming in. No, it's right not, here. dude. I that, tell people who don't have that's film part degrees. Of it. And they're like, they say the same things well, I do. Well, you can talk to people that hate everything. There are people that just hate everything just because. Or they just spot bad things in movies. They're not bad things. There was nothing wrong with this movie. Nothing wrong with it at all. I didn't spot a damn thing because I wasn't looking to nitpick the shit out of it. I, I was just enjoying it. It, it was uh-huh. there. I enjoyed it. It was a great movie, I thought. There yep. were a, there were a couple things that I could have done without, but they weren't deal breakers for me. I thought it was excellent. Okay, well, with that, with that being given, what's time to give our ratings? I think you'll go first. I think you should go first. I'm, di- I'm giving it a nine. A nine. Solid nine. I thought it was better than Ultron. I can't say Mad Max, and a lot of people saying Mad Max is better, and I have no problem with that because I haven't seen it. Maybe when I do see it, I'll feel the same way, but for now, because I didn't see Mad Max, I can't compare. Yeah. So I have to say this was the best movie of the summer so far. I know that I know that you said you were one of the people that saw Mad Max and thought it was better. Yeah, I thought Mad Max was better than Jurassic World for, for a variety of reasons, but Jurassic World, well, I, I pointed out some things I didn't like about it, uh, I didn't think it was horrible. Uh, I thought I actually liked it. Cause it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still sitting in the theater grinning and smiling and in some parts losing my shit. Uh, I'm even a four out of ten. I'm just, I'm just fucking kidding. I was going to say. I was, <laughs> I was about to blow my skull right here. <laughs> I should have. Damn, I should have. My I skull was about to pop right off I should have. I should have let the fucking joke just sit and let's see what your reaction would <laughs> I give it, I give it like an eight. Seven and a half, eight out of ten. Eight's fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, but speaking of my not cancel my cancellation of virtual reality, uh, it was it is E three this week, 
So without further ado, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back talking about E3 and Dead Arms and tons of IPs and... De- dead Arms? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you smartass. Oh, gosh. Uh, so we'll be back talking about E3. Stay tuned. Hey, listeners, this is Peter Shinkoda from Daredevil. I play Nobu, and you are listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. Let's all go to the expo. Let's all go to the expo. Let's all go to the expo. Never fucking sing again. And play ourselves some games. Because we're talking about E3 2015. And, oh, we've had a chance to kind of decompress a little bit. <laughs> I need a Lazarus pit, maybe a Lazarus ocean, because I'm just, dude, I'm dead. I'm, my body is just... My mind is warped. I didn't want to look at another screen or a keyboard for like another week and a half. I don't understand why it seemed like so much more than last year. Because yeah. I don't really think it was, but it felt that way. Right. Well, I think that being this our second year of recovering E3, it feels a lot more because I think we're it, we're more into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like last year we covered it, but this year like we were like literally – Every single thing, you know, you can think of we're posting and searching and researching stuff. I, I think we did more in-depth coverage this year because it was just like, you know, last year was more treading the water to see how it goes. And this year it was just like full-on balls deep, you know, into that, that digital world. Well, what's funny is I think that the newer consoles, the Xbox One and PS4, I think that they've had a chance to breathe a little. Right. And now the dust is kind of settled on the console war, so it was almost like a... Where do we go from here? But I mean, we got they got a very, very, very early start with Bethesda that went first for for us. That was like six o'clock in the morning, I think. I think Pretty much started super, super early over on the West Coast for some reason. Yeah, I think it started like eight o'clock or something like that, or nine o'clock. Still, that's that's seven o'clock our time, and you know, so that happened, and you know. Not a whole lot. It ran a lot. It was over two hours, which I'm, I'm going to start this off right now. There's no reason for a presser to be over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. An hour and a half yeah. if you're having demos. Um, once you run over the two-hour mark, it just becomes, okay, what are we going to do now? Because, like, I mean, if Microsoft and Nintendo can wrap up their shit in, like, an hour and a half or whatever like that. Why can't, like, a Square Enix or even a Bethesda, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially when Bethesda only really had a few games. That, I mean, Doom was, of course, the big the big thing, Dishonored 2 and Fallout 4. Yeah. After that, it was just, okay, what else you can do for another hour and a half, you yeah, know? Yeah, and, I mean, Doom was the big one, because, and that's coming out spring 2016. And, you know, I'll be honest, the, the monsters look great, the environments look great. Uh, it seems more open to me. Yeah, I don't know if then previous Doom games. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I mean, to me, yeah, it's big, but it's pretty much what I expected, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was big. I expected. I mean, of course, you know, Doom is one of the best. I think best shooters, if not the best shooter of all time. Oh yeah, I think it's right up there in Hall of Fame status. I I would put up there with like the old, the old school Wolfenstein stuff like that, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but then you got Dishonored 2, and of course Fallout 4 was the big thing too. I mean, everybody's losing their competitive shit over, you know, Fallout 4 and how great it looks. And, you know, you get like Animal Companions. Actually, the news broke the uh, other day, actually, that the dog, they called Dog Meat, he cannot die. So, all you pet lovers Yay! out there, dog cannot die. So, we're not going to have an I Am Legend scenario. 
That's that's very good for me. I like that. I mean, the whole create your character aspect, I like that. I like that they're putting the emphasis on player freedom. They say, you know, go anywhere, do anything you want kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a big emphasis overall, but that's kind of how things started off. Yeah, that started off. And also, I just want to point out, maybe like a weapon or two in Fallout 4. Like, you have that laser cannon or whatever it is. It looks really badass. And, uh, you know, it was pretty good. It looks really, really good. Um, you know, I'll see how it goes and, and probably maybe pick it up. Uh, but that was Bethesda. Let's move on to Microsoft, which I think really put the pedal to the metal. And I think pretty much Mike dropped right in the beginning opening of their press conference when they announced backwards compatibility is coming to the Xbox One. You can not only just play 360 games, you can play original Xbox games on it as well. And they're also going to re- reveal soon the first 100 games you can do. And James, you even said this is kind of uh, a replica of was it disc to digital download? Yeah, they're doing uh, what the ultraviolet system did for movies. The uh, disc to digital that they offered uh, through Walmart and a couple of other places, where you could actually put your DVD in your laptop or even bring it to a Walmart store, and they'd convert it for a certain price for you to digital. Now, I'm sure there's going to be a price tag attached to this a little bit, but if you can get an Xbox One, you could automatically have a back catalog of games at your disposal. Whether you had an Xbox before, or even if you didn't, you could go to like a flea market and pick up games for nothing. But they also announced that the Xbox 360 is going to be able to stream the those games as well on Windows 10. That news broke as well, so not only do you get the benefit of playing them on your Xbox One, if you have Windows 10, you could do it there as well. So that that's big. Yeah, that is huge. Now, of course, with that came a little bit of confusion, maybe a little bit of backlash. Of course, people are saying, well, you know, you're... Setting out this whole, you know, you're going to redo the whole Gears of War thing, you're going to refurbish that and, and make it look, you know, full 1080p and everything else. Doesn't that kind of backdraft or, or you know, kind of cause a little bit of a problem w- with the backwards compatibility? And I think no, because there's going to be people like me, for example, who have a next gen system. And once you get a next gen system, in my case, Whenever, unless it's like, of course, like a, a Super Nintendo or a Sega or a Nintendo NES, um, when you go back to like a PlayStation 1 or a PS2 and so on and so forth, earlier consoles that were in 3D format, it's very hard to play. It's very hard in the eyes. So you're going to have those people like me who, you know, yeah, backwards compatibility is great, but when you really think about it, am I going to use it? Not really. I mean, yeah, just James, you pointed out, you can go back and get the old games and everything else for cheaper, but... You know, as far as aesthetics, you know, when you download it into your Xbox One and you get that backwards compatibility, you know, and you kind of mentioned there might be an option where they can, you know, maybe make it upgrade it. But again, when a lot of games were designed, like Tomb Raider for PS3 was designed to, you know, push it towards the max they can do. Like, take Grand Theft Auto, for example, okay? Now, I know Grand Theft Auto is on next gen, but just hear me out on this. Say you got Grand Theft Auto for PS3, Grand Theft Auto 5, or, or for Xbox 360, what have you. And you get the Xbox One. Well, Grand Theft Auto for the next gen has a lot more stuff in it. Like they have more actual real-time traffic and everything else because it's Los Angeles, technically. So that's why the roads are more busier, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but this, it's like, okay, so you get the old school game, but really when you put it on the Xbox One, 
it's not going to, I think, be able to push it past its limits because the game was already pushing the older system past well, its limits. I think that that, in, in that case, that's going to be one of those, you know, tough luck kind of scenarios. I don't think that every game is going to be available. And in instances like that, I think that when they know that that's an issue, they'll either A, make it not available, or B, they'll have to address that. And maybe you pay a little extra for like a DLC that will allow you to add that on at, at some point. I don't know. But I think the upgrade thing is worth talking about mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you could maybe upgrade to the current gen version of the game. But again, the game would already have to have a remastered version or, you know, give me the option to at some point, if you, if you did this uh, backwards compatibility thing and they do remaster a game, give me an option to, Hey, can I upgrade this at a later date once it comes out? I mean, all this is doable. And I think that if, if nothing else, Great step forward for Microsoft, and and the fact that they're not. Fr- I like it when you don't forget the previous gen people who don't have the cash to upgrade yet. Right, and I want to say this because I think I think Xbox's backwards compatibility announcement is kind of in a sense retribution for back in 2013 when the systems were first announced, and on Xbox One you heard. When you buy a game, the Xbox burns an image into the disc, so that way it can only be used on your Xbox mm-hmm. One. And Sony came out after and says, "Yeah, you buy a game, you can share it with anybody. You can lend it to people. It doesn't." Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, at Microsoft's way of saying, "All right, we're gonna kick you in the nuts now, Sony, and we're going to announce backwards compatibility again." A lot of people are saying, "Well, backwards compatibility isn't really that important." I mean, here's the thing: if you you know, when I got my PS4, I traded in all my games. But, of right. course, the one game I didn't want to get rid of, because I mean, Tomb Raider got the remastered version, but the Sega Genesis Collection, we had all the old Sega games on. I didn't want to have to give that up, but I had to because there's no backwards compatibility. So, in a sense, yeah, that's great. But also, let's move on to more things with Microsoft. Of course, Halo 5 Guardians. Uh, footage from that was shown. And it's, it's your typical Halo game, not going to lie. I mean, it looked beautiful, but it's next-gen. Yeah, I mean, they did have that 24-player uh, multiplayer mode, which is pretty awesome if you like doing the multiplayer thing. So, again, but I agree. I mean, it's typical Halo, and I think that unless you're a huge Halo fan, I don't think you get too jazzed about this. No, and, of course, the maps are, of course, the same. Well, it's the bigger maps of any Halo game. And, really, you're going to hear that with a lot of games, especially with Next Gen, because yeah. they can do more. The specs are better. They can have more memory. They can do what they can. So the worlds, of course, can be better. Yeah, that's going to happen with any game, I think. And I think that was another theme this year, too. Exactly. And then, of course, you had for the uh, going away from the games, you had more of the accessories. The new Xbox One wireless controller was announced, and it has interchangeable parts. So it's pretty much designated for, you know, if you're playing a racing game, there's pedals you can put on the back of it and make the thing more set for a racing game and everything else. And if you're playing a shooter, uh, you can pretty much push the right trigger down Push a green switch to the right, and it'll lock the trigger, so it'd be like more like a rail shooter. So you'd be just automatically just firing weapon and just move about. Which for me, as somebody with who has one arm, it's a lot easier. I like that feature because a lot of yeah. times when I'm playing a shooter, I have to hold the right trigger down with my thigh, my inner leg, because I have to like move around and aim and stuff like that. If a game doesn't offer like an auto aim feature, you know. Mm-hmm, exactly, and I mean especially for a game like Hitman. That would be very, very crucial to be able to do something like that. I mean, it's got a big price tag, 150 bucks, but for the interchangeability, I kind of understand uh, why they're going to do that. I don't think you'd buy more than one anyway. Right. So, I mean, it's, I know it's, it's steep, but it's an investment. And well, here's, then, but here's the thing. Sorry to cut you off, but here's the thing, too, is that 
this was smart by Microsoft because what they're doing is remember back in the day like Dreamcast or even like with the last gen, you had the whole uh, if you had a racing game, they had the whole wheel thing with the pedals you can buy oh, and everything yeah, else. I this in a sense is kind of they're trying to get rid of all that clutter. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They want to make it the all-in-one controller. So if you're playing a racing game, here's these little pedals like you can pretty much like kind of like in a Ferrari when it has the the manual. You know, it's not stick shift, so all, all it's all pedal shift. Yeah. So if you're like, it's kind of like, okay, if you're playing a racing game. There's these four pedals you can put in the back of your controller, and you can you know touch them and flick them, and it'll shift gears when you're playing a racing game and stuff like that. So it's really really fun. Uh, now let's move to the indie games too, James. There's a game. That it's an indie game uh, that Xbox announced from, I believe, Square Enix, too, I believe, or EA. EA. Um, and it's, it's called Cuphead, and this was announced during Xbox's uh, Idea Xbox, of course, an indie program. And it's all hand-drawn 1930s-style animation, and it's one of those things where somebody uh, from IGN was actually talking about this. And they said, it's one of those games where you look at it and say, okay, it's interesting, and, it, and then, you know, when you hear about the concept, but when you see it, you're like... Tell me more about this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it just smacks you right in the face because it, it gets you that childhood nostalgia, especially for somebody my age. I mean, I wasn't watching cartoons in the 30s, obviously, but those cartoons were always available to, to watch on certain reruns and stuff. So I saw it and I'm like, this is just visually striking. And, and it almost looks like you're watching a cartoon. You're not even playing a game. And, and I'll be honest, indie games don't typically stick out at conferences like this for me. I mean, that you look at them and you go, huh, that looks interesting. But then I saw a cuphead and I'm like, this is just, this just grabbed me. And I was, and I found myself actually seeking out more information about it, which I don't typically do with a lot of indie games, but this one really grabbed me. And to me, it almost didn't even matter what the story was or the concept was. I just wanted to be able to be in this world. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, you want to be immersed in that world. And the developer even said, he goes, listen, he says, you know, we decided we want to get away with all the polygons or anything else. So all the animations are hand drawn. Which I know you love. And I, oh, do I love. I mean, it's, it's great. And it makes it, and like I said, when you're showing the footage of the game and, uh, just the actions. It's so great. Like it's oh, yeah. it's one of those things too. I think too is if you're an adult who's like in their fifties or in their forties or older, you know, older than we are, you'll love this game too because again, the nostalgia factor. It's the old school animation and everything Definitely. else. You know, um, another game. We'll move forward outside the indie realm uh, for Microsoft Forza Motorsport Six. A lot was done. Over four hundred fifty cars, twenty four multi car multiplayer races. A lot of you know gearheads love that game. Also, Xbox announced a program, which is a lot similar. Actually, it's very similar. It is the same program that Sony announced a couple months ago, uh, where you can get $175 credit towards an Xbox yep. One by trading in your 360 or PlayStation 3. Tempting. Uh, uh, very tempting. Uh, you know, it, it was something where, I'm not going to lie, you know, we're going to get to one of the games uh, that maybe much, pretty much maybe say, you know, maybe I made a mistake getting a PS4. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, but I know for you, James... Uh, somebody who was thinking about getting a PS4, but now Xbox comes out with this deal, especially at this time where, you know, your son's getting older, so maybe the expenses might get a little bit, you know, less when it comes mm -hmm. to your, having a child. But you're thinking, like, you told me the other night, you're like, oh, I, I don't care. I'm thinking about just going out and getting an Xbox One. I mean, and I'm loyal to a fault. So I've been a PlayStation guy, and it, it's hard for me to pull that trigger, but... 
with backwards compatibility. Somebody who I know I would use that. Yeah. And the the other thing that they had where they said you can actually buy and preview games while they're in development yep. and, and give feedback on them and stuff like that. So it's almost like you're avoiding that bad game buy. And, and I love that. And and a lot of the, the indie program, which really, really stepped up this year. I mean, there was another one that I wanted to mention really quick that was called Hush, which is about childhood fears that actually looked really cool. So I, I hear this deal and, and I think about it and I'm like, what am I really losing by going to Xbox One and taking advantage of all this neat stuff? And we'll get into that a little bit more when we get into Sony's presser a little bit later on. But another thing that you and I talked about at great length, Nick, was the was the rare properties that they, t- they, they talked about in that 30th anniversary package. Yeah, you had the, the rare 30 pretty much, which is, you know, it's $30. Again, it's very similar to what uh, Sony did with the Sega Genesis collection. Uh, which was twenty bucks, but for thirty dollars for since the thirtieth anniversary, pretty much get all the classic rare titles. You get Cockers Bad Fur Day, Battletoads, you name it. It's gonna be on rare. Yeah, uh, let's stop right there for console. a second. Let's stop on Battletoads for just a second because okay. there's a couple of very interesting things at E3 that I don't want to ignore. First of all, did you notice that Phil Spencer during the Windows presentation was wearing a Battletoads T-shirt? Yes, that was one. The next thing was if you went to the GameStop booth. They had a giant Battletoads like statue there. Yeah. And it's like, what are you trying to tell us here? So we never actually got any official word, but I'm waiting now. Well, here's the thing too, and I'm glad I want to bring this up too, is that a lot the biggest problem at Microsoft since acquiring Rare, this is even going back to the three sixty days, was they didn't do anything with the rare properties. It's right. Like you, you bought them, but what did you do? Like, yeah, you redid uh you re did re released Congress Bad Fur Day, but technically it was the same game. You just upped the graphics on it, but you didn't do anything with the properties. You didn't well, do, but now they're they're doing it. So I mean, it's a, it's a great great thing to see this too. And also go back to the indie thing too. Microsoft for a long time. This was where this is why I think for me Xbox or Microsoft had the best conference at E3 because they redid all the wrongs pretty much in the past. Where it's you know, backwards compatibility from last year, sure. Bags compatibility. They're expanding on the rare titles. You know, we're, we're releasing all these rare titles. You know, and, you know, in this, in this, on this disc. Um, and then with the indies, the problem with that was that the big knock on Microsoft compared to Sony was Sony loves indies. Like they say, hey, yes. we're this. And Microsoft, you know, they cared about indies. Of course, you got the ID and Xbox program. However, the big problem if you're an indie developer and going on Microsoft is the placement of where your indie game can be seen, mm-hmm. because in the interface of the Xbox One and 360, the indies were very much buried. Like you had to go through oh, tiles yeah. and tiles and tiles before, and, and go through menus before you got to the actual indie consoles and the indie games. So now maybe they'll bring it to the forefront. I think, I think what more they just need light. to do is give it, more, give it its own tile right there yeah. in the front. Just give the ID at Xbox its own tile and let the chips fall where they may there. I mean, the Rare Properties is great. I think that they acquired them and didn't do anything with them as a dick move to keep them away from everybody else. So I kind of understand why they did that. I'm glad they're actually doing something with it. Yeah, and then another thing, too, we'll move forward. Uh, There's a couple of games I want to save for last, James. I think you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about HoloLens for a second that Microsoft introduced uh, at E3. And it's pretty much like Morpheus, Project Morpheus, but it's more, of course, for Microsoft where... And they showed it mostly with Minecraft, first of all. And what it is is where you can be sitting anywhere, like on a wall, next to, staring at a wall, pretty much like Kingpin. And you have the HoloLens on; it'll project a game image on your wall. So pretty much, it's kind of like 
portable TV in a sense. Uh, pretty much put it this way, it's kind of like the uh, the game thing with the the red, all the red. I can't think of the name of it. But the, the red headset, it gave you all the headaches back in the 90s. Oh, I remember that. It was Captain Power. For, yeah, Virtual Boy. That's what I, was, I think it was. And it was Captain Power back in the 80s as well. So was I, it? I remember that, yeah. Uh, so it was that. But the thing was, too, is it was pretty interesting is that it showed, you know, you could say build world, whatever, and you just stare at a table, and the table will turn into this big world, and it'll 3D hologram, mm-hmm. and you can lift up the world, and you can see underneath it. And of course, people say, like, that's cheating. It's like, but it's amazing technology. Yeah. Here's my problem with it, though. You've been to my apartment. I've been to your house. We have a lot of clutter on our walls and a lot of great things on our walls. I'm sorry, but I'm not taking down my artwork just because I want to project something on right. my wall. I'm not going to move stuff around my table, you know, because... It's it's awkward. Yeah, it's awkward, and it's also here's the thing too, which is interesting too, is it's one thing to it's one thing to demonstrate something like Hololens E3 and have it look so great. It's another to be indoors where there's limited lighting and see how it looks. See, that's the that's the point right there. Yeah, that's where you can almost stop because the lighting thing is a big deal. Anybody that's ever dealt with a projector of any kind, yep, knows that the lighting has to be just so for you to be able to see it properly. That's where the problem with HoloLens comes in because if you want to play games during the day, guess what? Like you got blackout curtains or something similar, you're going to have a really hard time, especially like in your living room. You can't really get it that dark in your living room because you've got your sliding door right there. Yep. You've got blinds on it, but they don't cover enough for it to make a difference. So, I mean, for somebody like you that lives in an apartment, you'd have a really hard time. So, I like the idea of HoloLens, but unless you've got like a dedicated man cave in your basement or something, I think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, but and that's the thing. And, you know, you look at how, as I said, you don't know. Tables are different dimensions, you know, so you don't know how it's going right. to look on my long coffee table compared to what appeared to be like just like a square, perfectly fine desk or whatever they showed that, or stage they had at E3. Then the final two games I want to get to, of course, we'll get to the first one, which is Gears of War 4, which looks, I'm sorry. People say, well, it's other Gears. Yeah, but you're not Marcus Phoenix. It looks like you're on a different world. Oh, and yeah. it looks like they're going back to Gears of War 1, where it was just about that fear factor. Well, and I mean, that outdoor scene where they're climbing up the stairs, and it's windy, and it's nasty outside, and you don't really know. Even just the climbing part, before they even get to any weapons fired, where you just, you're waiting I don't know about you, but I was waiting when I was watching that gameplay sequence for something to just pop out and happen. I was on edge. And then you see the alien pods on the inside. And then all of a sudden, here come the monsters, which were like these weird alien wolf hybrid type things. And I'm like, this is intense. They look like crawfish if they grew up next to a nuclear power plant. And got really, really pissed off. Yes, really, (laughs) really pissed off. But, I mean, I tell you what, though, man, that when the thing opened his mouth, he had all his tongues, it would give you a pretty good rim job, I think, though. Maybe, it, yeah. It'll clean maybe. you out right there, you know. The teeth, the teeth, though, would be a turnoff. Teeth would be a turnoff, but, I mean, you know, it might it might feel amazing. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, the thing is, like, Gears of War 4, I'm excited for it. You know, who knows? We'll see how that goes. That's very, very exciting. Um, I like the fact that they're building off just the fear thing. Like, when you're walking around and the only light you have is the light on the end of your gun. I was kind of freaked out a little bit towards that. Oh, now, definitely. The one game, of course, we're going to end Microsoft's press conference with, Rise of the Motherfucking Tomb Raider. And, I mean, how 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 much else can you really say about it other than it looks 
absolutely amazing. And it looks just as intense, if not more so, than the last Tomb Raider game, which I think was an eye-opener for all of us that have loved Tomb Raider over the years. So, I mean, we've seen a few gameplay trailers for it now. Uh, I love that that reveal of the temple on the inside. Yeah. Uh, in a particular Pharaoh's temple, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, it's just so visually stunning. I mean, I don't know how else to really describe it because the gameplay is all very similar. Everything else looks similar other than you're in a different world now. And I don't think the fact that it looks similar is a bad thing. I like that it's a nice continuation off of the last one. And the, and the whole voiceover where she talks about, like, she feels like she has a purpose now. So it's almost like she's getting over what happened in the first Tomb Raider. If you want to put it this way, first Tomb Raider was her Batman Begins. This is her Dark Knight, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, where she's becomes Lara Croft, you know, Tomb Raider. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, again, people say, like, oh, demo, just her climbing and everything else. But it still looked amazing. Like, I don't care. It, like, It's still her. It's just her climbing. But there's falling. She has to friggin' re-grapple as yeah. you're falling with rocks friggin' everywhere that, that you have to you dodge. Have to sw- well, that, but you have to swing you're on a rope and you have to swing side to side onto a cliff and I mean seriously if that's just climbing what the hell are you doing when you're climbing and she's walking through the the deep snow too that was amazing I'm like oh my god it's so great Um, but I want to talk a little bit about this too is that of course they didn't mention that if it's a time exclusive or if it's an exclusive from just for Microsoft now here's something that was interesting Uh, IGN actually post said something about this Uh, they said that on their media list, where it says all the games, you know, coming first Xbox One, then exclusives. They said that Rise of Tomb Raider was listed as an exclusive the same way Halo was. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing, though. It says that. I don't, th- but I think that it's just Microsoft saying, just trying to keep it away from it, They're saying posturing. it's time to Yeah, because it's just one of those things where you know it's coming to PS4 and PC. Because Crystal they, Dynamics, don't hate, they don't hate money. No, Crystal Dynamics. Crystal Dynamics, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe it's a six to nine month window, uh, selling window for Microsoft, and so that's fine, because you think about it, Sony went to Slayer, but they have Uncharted 4. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, if if it gets to a point where Tomb Raider doesn't get to another platform other than Xbox One, it's a big mistake. It's yeah, a that's huge a sad mistake. state of affairs if that doesn't happen because it's such a big game. And I'm not saying because I know Uncharted's a big game too, and that's not coming to Xbox. But uh, well, Uncharted this is different. This but, is Tomb Raider. But that's the thing is that Uncharted also started as a Sony exclusive, right? Exactly, and this did not. And I think that's where in that that's where the point lies is that why would you, after having so much success on all consoles, then go back? And I, I can't imagine that Microsoft could have thrown that much money at them to make that much of a difference for them to keep it away from PlayStation and Sony. I, I just don't see that happening. So, I mean, you can posture all you want. We know that in six months, maybe more, this is going to come out for PS4. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens within six months. I wouldn't be surprised maybe if next year's E3 or something, maybe leading up to like next spring, we hear an announcement about it being a time release or something like that. Not but, to mention, aren't we... Let's not kid ourselves. When it comes out for PS4, we don't know that there won't be some sort of an expansion. Exactly. To the D- game. Full-on DLC, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll yeah, find out. Yeah, there could out. be more, more tombs to explore and all kinds of stuff. So don't think that just because it's not coming out on PS4 first that you're not going to get a great experience once it does come to PlayStation. Exactly. So that's going to do it for Microsoft. Let's transition over to EA, of course, Electronic Arts. Uh, they kicked it off pretty much with, 
you know, they announced a couple of different things. They announced uh, EA Access, which is pretty much for five bucks a month. You get the best of EA games. You also get new games, which are, you know, you can get them a few days prior to the in-store release date. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something like 2K Sports I know is doing now. Like if you pre-order NBA 2K16, you get it like a few days before the actual release date. I think it's September, October. Right. Um, but uh, if you have an Xbox Live Gold account, you can download the EA Access app and play all 12 titles that are in the quote vault for free this week in honor of E3. Also, they had Mass Effect Andromeda, which looks fucking amazing. Yep, they kicked it off with Need for Speed, which is going to be a full re- reboot, by the way. Yeah, and, and I we're going to have five that. different overlapping stories, too. I want to talk about that. The World, of course, tries twice the size of Rivals, and this is a reboot. And people are saying, well, why do they need the reboot? Because there's no really a real storyline. Well, after you think about it, it's been going on for since Need for Speed, this, this kind of series. You want to go to Underground? It was what, PS2? Yeah. You know, all the way to yeah. the Underground days? So, I mean,. Why not reboot? At some point, like, to reboot, you just want to start fresh, start with new story, new concepts, whatever. The customization is insane in that game. It really is. I mean, it, it looked Forza, it looked, made Forza, Forza 6 look terrible. Yeah. Once you saw Need for Speed, I'm sorry. But I, Need for Speed's definitely stepped up and, the game. If, and it's and it, just to have a nice, sleek racing game kind of thing. It's just, it's one of those staples of gaming where you've got to have a nice, sleek driving slash racing game on your console. And I think Need for Speed is is that game that for me that I saw at E3. Yeah, and Need for Speed too is they they pretty much going back to I think more of their underground days because yeah. it's more with street racing. You got to get noticed by a crew, and you know we'll see how the story. We don't know much about the storylines, but it's kind of something like that. Um, a game that came out, of course, is pretty much the year of Star Wars. The first game they showed, of course, was Old Republic Knights of the Fallen Empire, which is an RPG. And it was announced that, which is pretty much going to be a huge expansion of the Old Republic. A free and, expansion, actually. Yes, I wasn't going to get to that, actually. And it looks really, really cool. Like, it, it follows these two brothers, and it's, you know, it looks really, really awesome. I'm not going to lie, dude, when, when the brothers were kind of fighting, and then one brother go, jumps in the air with a lightsaber and tries to cut, like, the master's head off or something. Yeah. And the other brother force grabs him and throws him back, and then it's like, it's on moment. I was like, dude. Yeah. This game's going to be ridiculous. Now, here's my only fear about this. Is, of course, you know what? Since we're talking about Star Wars, might as well talk about Battlefront now. Okay. Since we're all the that's same where they genre. that's what they closed with. But they yeah, cl- we'll, we'll talk about it. Now. Well, because I figured we're talking about Star Wars now, so why not? But this kind of ties to my my point. Old Republic is gonna be very storage. You know, Knights of the Fall Empire, very story driven game. Well, I mean, it's it's more of an RPG, right? Than uh, than anything else. But I think the problem now here's my biggest fear with Battlefront. It's gonna be action, action, and no story. It's gonna it's gonna be what Destiny was. Or no, not Destiny, but Titanfall. I knew what you meant. Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, it's be, I mean it's be Titanfall, but with Star Wars, and I'm I'm afraid of that because I'm like, yeah, while it looks I, great, I want some story, some sort of story. Yeah, you know? I'm afraid of it too. But I mean, then you look at what you're getting, where you can like play on Hoth and all the other worlds, and you get to play as the Empire, and like you mentioned on on our post at Facebook.com/slash Down and Nerdy, where you can play as Luke Skywalker, lightsaber yep. in hand. I mean, how do you argue with that stuff? Even if there is no story. And I agree, I think there should be some story, and I hope it follows that. And I know Battlefront um, has kind of had loose stories in the past. Yeah. So I understand your fear there, but the way it looks and your options for being able to play and where it looks like you'll be able to shift back and forth between uh, Empire and Rebel Alliance, I don't know, It's maybe it's one of those shut-your-brain-off type moments. Yeah. 
I don't. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think there should be some story. Right. I mean, we'll we'll see. But I mean, I I, I looked beautiful. Like the Hoth battle looked amazing. Ah, just so visually striking. And it's great because there's points in Battlefront where you go between first person and third person too. Yeah, which which I like. I like that change in perspective. Um. So I mean, that's pretty much mostly for the Star Wars games. They look both look pretty, really cool. Just like I said, I got that one fear. Uh, when it comes to Battlefront, however... It's totally justified. It's totally justified. Now, let's go to the indie route. Now, I know people say, well, how can this really be an indie game if it's with EA and everything else? Well, shut up for a second. Uh, yeah, shut up is about... <laughs> was, that's about right. Uh, I want to talk about Coldwood Studios, and they're from Sweden. And there's a game called Unravel, James, which pretty much... We both said if it was out today, we would have gone out and already been having it. Because... I mean, the feel-good story of this guy. Oh, God. Yeah, he... So why don't you tell the folks who, who maybe not caught the press conference about his story? Because very, very heartwarming. Like, like his story is pretty much what E3 is about, where you have these developers come out and give these stories, and they're just nervous, and they're about to cry on stage. That's what E3 is about. Well, and, and I mean, this, this is just a, a guy from Sweden who walks out with this doll called Yarny, which is actually made from yarn. You know, Yarny kind of makes a lot of sense. And how he basically created this doll, and, and it was a safety net for him, kind of like Linus in his blanket, and he would carry this Yarny along with him everywhere he goes, and it was almost like that friend that was always there type of thing. So he sort of developed this, and he said, you know, well, let's make this into a game. And the second you see Yarny kind of walk out of the house with that string dangling along, and just... Almost like, just like the story where he's exploring the world and finding new things and, and having new experiences. Like when he jumps on the rock, the rock falls and Yarny slides down kind of thing. And all the different things you can do to interact just with a simple piece of yarn. It just looks like you're traipsing through the yard and discovering things for the first time. Exactly. And he said that, you know, it's the game against called Unravel. And he said, you know, it's pretty much... The character of Yarny unravels as you progress during the game, connecting pieces of puzzles. It's kind of like a puzzle game. It's like a little big planet in a mm-hmm. sense. And so it's kind of like it, it, the developer, he said, you know, he's like, you're connecting lives. You're connecting experiences. And that's what I want to do with the game. That's with all the tethers of the yarn, kind of like a spider web in a sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a feel-good story, dude. Like, I want to pick this up when it comes out. And it's one of those things where, I mean, there's all, you know, you've got your intense action, you've got your sports, you've got your racing, but when you just want to feel good and have fun about with playing a game, and that's kind of the way I always felt about Mario, uh, this had that feel for me. It was almost like one of those games where you just want to have fun, you want to sit down, you want to feel good about a game that you're playing. Unravel was that game for me throughout the entirety of E3. Exactly. I just had that vibe from this game. And it was one of those games that not only did you want to play it because it had that feel, but you, you saw the guy and you're like, I want to help this guy. Well, it's kind of like going back to our uh, our interview with Abby Darkstar last week when she, you know, she says kind of like, I want to be your friend kind of thing, you know? And, yeah. Uh, you know, the kind of the friendship experience. It's, it's kind of like you could not – you just want to go on stage, give that guy a hug and be like, I want to be your friend. You yeah. really did. But, you know, speaking of – being friends with people I don't want to be friends with. That's EA Sports. EA Sports, for a long time, I think, has been... I'm trying to think how I can describe this. Repetitive? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it shows the lack, in certain sports worlds, the lack of competition really doesn't make them be innovative at all anymore. Now, I'll say this, NBA Live 16, 
they have the Game Face HD app you can use on your phone. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, Madden 25 had that where they had a certain website you can go to. You can face capture your, your face on uh, via your webcam on this one website and upload it. I did that for Madden a couple years ago, and it's awesome. We're going to see how it goes with NBA Live 16. However, Live hasn't been good. And, and what they're saying is, oh, yeah, oh, it's free flow motions everything else. It's like, yeah. 2K's had it for a long yeah. time, though. who doesn't have that kind of thing? Don't pretend like you're innovating something because it's exactly the same friggin' thing Especially in a different Especially last year when everybody was like, NBA Live 15 was just so bad. It was horrific. Well, um, Live hasn't been good since the SNES days, I don't think. No, and, uh, you know, like even some of the facial animations, like Russell Westbrook goes up for a layup or whatever. He looks like he has stroke face when he makes it, like when he smiles or whatever. Yeah, it's it's just not good, and and I mean, and going on to say Madden, where they try they oh. tried so hard to make it seem like they actually did something yeah. with um, this new Madden game. I didn't buy Madden last year. I'm not gonna buy it ever again. I think because the thing is, is like, okay, like we got a new mode. I'm like, oh my god, they're actually gonna do something like with 2K where build your own, you know, my story, like my career story, whatever. No. For you fantasy draft lovers out there, we're going to do a fantasy draft game. And I'm saying to myself, how the fuck is that different from Ultimate Cards and the Ultimate Packs? Not only packs? that, but who cares? Yeah, it's like, I don't want to play fantasy football on Madden. There's, I mean, what's, what is the deal? And that's the thing. They didn't, they didn't say any new game modes or anything else, just except for the fantasy draft. And I'm like, they're like, oh, but if you're a quarterback, you can throw the ball high or low. I'm like, I can kind of do that now. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and... Oh, you can actually like play receivers at the line for a defensive back. It's like I could do that, do that now. now. <laughs> like, okay, uh, it's just I don't get it, man. It was just one of those things where I'm like, if if two K had the license to NFL, that's why I think two K should sports should just make sports games. Like, like they should get all those sports rights. Well, they focus on it more. Two K did more with the ESPN presentation, two K five or two K six, I believe, with Terrell Owens on the cover than Madden's ever done with the ESPN integration. Like, you can. I remember on two K five, I think it was or two K six, and this is why I think EA got jumped the gun and bought the rights to the NFL teams because while Madden was like 50, 40, 50 bucks at the time. 2K is like, you know what? We're going to sell this for $20. Yep. And they sold more copies, of course, because at the set, because of the price, because it was a better game. You every, Each week, you hit the select button on the controller. You would watch, and you could watch 3D ESPNs and hosted by Chris Berman, voice acting, everything, and Susie Kolber, and everybody. And it's like, you know, Chargers, Vikings, and they show, like, highlights and, like, you know, Philip Rivers drops back and throws to Antonio Gates for a touchdown. And, you know, they win the game, you know, 24 to 17 or whatever. Right. And, like, but there was also something bad happened. They sh- and they say, you know, Malcolm Floyd went down with an injury, you know, and uh, they show him getting hurt in that play, in the play. And they'll have, like, here's our doctor, you know, with the analysis. And they say, okay, what he does, he tore his ACL. It's like you're watching Sports Center pretty much. It was great. It was like mm-hmm. five minutes, three to five minutes apiece. It was amazing, but nothing with that. And then, you know, with, with FIFA, of course, FIFA's going to sell a lot of games because FIFA It's a world game. I love that Pele was on there, but I think he was on there for way too long. Yeah, they, they, I mean, you could tell it was a fanboy moment for the guy that was interviewing him, and that's why. Well, it's, it it's a legend. It's, Pele is a legend. He is a legend, sports. but, I mean, this is a video game conference, so 
I mean, you got to get, you know, do what uh, Ubisoft did. And we'll get to that a little bit later on where when they brought people on, they got them on, and then they got them the hell off. So they didn't drag it out. But I don't know why we had to have Pele up there for as long as we did. Yeah, it's, it was great, but I could have done like two minutes of it and been done with it. And the final game I want to talk about, of course, we're talking about Star Wars Battlefront, but Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which, of course, is a prequel to Mirror's Edge. My God. Uh, story mode, time travel, time trials, no loading screens are going to be part of the game. Mm-hmm. And also, it was announced last night, no gunfights. So nope. it's all free-flowing parkour fight. You know, really, really fun. I can't wait to get it. It looks. I mean, amazing. it's a world. It's a world run by corporations too. So that you know, the government's not evil because corporations are the government. It's just a cool concept, and and I like the. Like you said, the fact that there's going to be no punching or anything, the fact that it's going to be like parkour, which I think was a great point. It just looks fun, and it looks like the story is going to be super interesting. Yeah, no gunfights or anything like that. It's going to be free-flowing, but that did it for EA. So let's move on to Ubisoft, James. Now, going into this, I told you this off-air, I think going into E3, Ubisoft had the most pressure more than anybody when it came to yeah. E3 because everything that happened last year with Assassin's Creed Unity and a couple other things. They this was their thing where they said, okay, we gotta go full on and represent here, and they did that, man. They kicked it out of the fucking park by not only. And here's the thing: is they kicked off with South Park, the fractured but whole trailer. And it's funny because uh, Trey Parker, and Matt Stone said after Stick of Truth, they weren't making another video game ever, and then we get surprised by. Uh, South Park, The Fractured But Whole, which is basically like a superhero Coon and Friends adventure style uh, game that looks like it's going to be pretty damn funny. And anytime you get South Park guys involved, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be pretty much RPG, same thing, kind of like, or turn-based style, like Stick of Truth was, but it's going to be with, you know, Coon and Friends. And yeah, man, I, they, were, and they were talking about it and like... One thing I'll say about Ubisoft's press conferences is that they're very laid back. Like, you know, you can just say what you want and have no repercussions. You can swear oh, on yeah. stage and everything else. It's like uh, our show, except our show's better uh, has better hosts. <laughs> can I elaborate on that, sir? Well, I'm not I say anything. I could have done without Aisha Tyler. Yeah. I, I, I like her as a person. Yeah. I think she's very enthusiastic, but it just, as a host for your event, I'm, I'm thinking no. Yeah, I think that last year here's my here's my problem when you get and this is nothing to say I'm not being one of those douchebags and say oh she's not a gamer not a gamer whatever no I think she's a gamer but she's enough of a gamer to be yeah to have credibility I just sure. I just think that when you get a, a celebrity of any kind to be the host of your press conference it's gonna be very biased because they say oh my god I saw us backstage it looked amazing yeah, of course it looked amazing great yeah of course it looked amazing because they're paying you to represent you know it's not like you're saying hey I saw a new Tom Clancy game backstage it looked like shit you know uh, yeah exactly you're you're not gonna hear that you're not gonna hear that uh, but you know that's Aisha Tyler you know I, again that shows I think that next year maybe not do that just have developers come out enough and talk because I think with Ubisoft the way that they had some of the developers come out. And talk. They can carry their own stage. They don't need yeah. somebody interviewing with them. You I know? think we saw that throughout E3, actually. Yeah. I don't think it was totally necessary, but I got to say, one of the games that really jumped out at me was right at the beginning, and that was For Honor. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. So For Honor is pretty much this medieval melee game where you can pretty much play as knights, barbarians, and samurai. And they got, when it came to the fighting styles and everything else, man, Ubisoft paid attention to it. Knights, they swear these 
these big broadswords. They, mm-hmm. they they carry them and they swing them like they do in real life. I am excited about this game. It's bloody. There's some nice four-on-four combat stuff that you could do as well. There were different realms that you could fight it in. It just looked like a giant battle every time you went. There wasn't any of this, you know, really small-scale battle stuff. It was it was like Lord of the Rings style, Return of the King style battle. Everywhere you went, there was just a sea of humanity fighting, and and this melee style, like you said. And that, that's what really jumped out at me, was that this is going to be pedal to the metal for the entire game. Exactly. It's just nonstop action. And, of course, then you got into the Tom Clancy realm of, you know, they show kind of Tom Clancy's The Division, which pretty much takes place in a Pocopocalyptic-type style Manhattan. Um, the beta, I believe, is going to be released on March 8, 2016 yep. on platforms simultaneously. I mean, it's not the beta. I think it's, no, it's actually the real actual game, uh, March 8, 2016. Uh, they showed some of the Black Zone as well. And then, yeah, of course, you had uh, Rainbow Six Siege. And Angela Bassett came out and discussed uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Of course, she plays the character Six, who is the head of the Rainbow Six uh, program. And that beta will be available on all platforms uh, September 24th I'm not going to lie, dude. I thought at first it was Suicide Squad. Then you realize that Viola Davis is playing Amanda Waller and not Angela Bassett? Well, I thought well, I figured it would make sense if they recast American Amanda Waller in the game because they never get the same person from the movie to do the game. So I figured, okay, let's recast Waller as, as Angela Bassett. Good choice. And then I thought, you know, you think you see Deadshot suiting up, right, when you're looking at the trailer. I'm going, <laughs> are they really going to do a Suicide Squad game? Then went, oh, yeah, that's right. It's Rainbow Six. Yeah. <laughs> it just for yeah. a minute there, I started getting excited. Like, oh my gosh, if I see Harley Quinn, I'm going to lose my shit. And then I realized, ah, oh, it's Rainbow Six. Well, it still looks cool, but not as cool as if it would have been Suicide Squad. Exactly. And of course, the big game everybody's talking about. Of course, we had Abby Dark starting last night to talk about it because she's working on it as well. Uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which of course takes place during the Industrial Revolution. And we got a closer look at both the characters, James and Evie Fry. And Evie Fry is a goddamn badass. And I mean, just uh, Victoria Atkins is going to be doing the voiceover work for, for Evie Fry. And man, just all the weapons at her arsenal and the fluidity of the movements. She is a complete... I mean, she basically took on four guys on her own. And it was like just as badass as the main character. It's almost like, can we give her her own spinoff game now? Exactly. Just on the little bit that I saw, because this more than makes up for last year not having any playable female assassins for Unity, because it's almost like they waited to get the perfect mold of a female assassin character. And again, is the thing was, and I want to grow up on that theme, because this year's theme of E3, what we've seen a lot at E3 was the creation and use of a lot of strong female protagonists. Mm-hmm which we didn't see last year. And there was a lot of people complaining about that. And none of it felt forced. When you saw these new games, no, these female protagonists, it didn't feel like, okay, people are complaining, we got to put new females in the game, or, you know, or more females in the game, make them more prominent. No, it was like they fit really, really well. They don't feel forced at all. Uh, you know, it's going back to EA. Uh, they had the women's teams for the first time in the game. But I th- and then they had uh, like uh, characters like Asajj Ventress in yep. uh, the Star Wars games and stuff like that. Yep. So yeah, I agree. There's been a lot of focus on females, uh, and the uh, and this also compatibility was another main theme. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But it just looked like uh, being in London during yeah. that time, uh, and, and it seems like the story is going to be really really interesting as well. 
I uh, it's it's almost like it's got that old world Hitman kind of style, and that's right. why I've always really kind of been drawn to Assassin's Creed because I'm a big Hitman fan. We'll talk about that later too. It, it's always had that, but with that old world style, which I dig that combination. Exactly, that's gonna do it for Ubisoft again. I think that I think Ubisoft, if I had to rank the top two conferences, I think Microsoft's number one. Ubisoft's definitely number two. Congrats to everybody over at Ubisoft for putting on a great, great yeah, press conference. I, I agree, and that is not at all because we recently talked to Abby Darkstar. They legit were number two because yeah. they, they had a lot of excitement during their presser. They had some weird stuff too, like Super Brains from Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah. Uh, Warfare 2 come out. That was weird. Yeah. But uh, they stood out, and all of their all of their games looked like games where you'd go, I'd play that. Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. <laughs> but uh, moving on to something that was, for me, a total opposite of E3 last year, and that was Sony's presser that actually started out with a game, Nick, that's been in development for, what, like seven years? Yeah, pretty much all of Eternia, The Last Guardian. So they show pretty much the first footage of Last Guardian. And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't blown away by it. And I I'm sorry, dude. Nothing happened. Yeah, nothing really happened in it. It's like you climb the ledge. Everybody's saying, like, like oh, Lara Croft, you're saying this. I'm like, yeah, but you know there's more to the game. This one is six minutes of him jumping around and calling that big bird dog looking thing. But the thing is, too, is they didn't talk about what it's about. They didn't talk about what it entails. They didn't even tell us what the characters were. No, and I think no freaking here's, clue. And here's the thing is, too. Just because the game's been in development for a long time doesn't mean it's going to be good when it's released. Look at Duke Nukem. It took him, what, like 15 years or something mm-hmm. like that? Or mm-hmm. a, almost a decade to get the Duke Nukem Forever out, and it sucked! Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, it, I, I'm not excited about that. However, they did kind of kick it up a little bit with a new Hitman game. Of course, we got all platforms, mm-hmm. but they kind of got the first, able to get the first look at it. And I told you, James, this last night, I said, at first, I'm like, how cool would it be if this game was like Charles Xavier, but in, a, in an alternate universe where he could walk? Because as soon as I saw the bald guy, I'm like, it's more like the hitman, but like, could it be Charles Xavier? Maybe he learned how to walk again. I knew in an instant that this was a hitman game when that trailer started. And I was so excited because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And I love that they said, total freedom. Do what you want, when you want. You can kill who you want, when you want. You can pick your own targets. But then they said that certain targets are only going to be available for a short time. And once they're gone, they are gone. So it's yeah. almost like they put that uh, sense of urgency into the game. Plus, Nick, they're going to say your skills will evolve as you go along. Exactly. And it's gonna be, it's, this is what a lot of games are getting to now. Like, look at Grand Theft Auto Five, where... You know, if you're Michael or who, whomever, or and you're driving, you know, the more you drive, your driving statistics and attributes go up. You mm-hmm. know, it's going to be like this with Hitman. Probably the more times you use a fiber wire, fiber wire skills, maybe your stealth will go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going guns blazing all the time, of course, your probably your aim is going to be better. And also, when you, you do that, your weapons are gonna, selection is going like, to get a lot better as well. Um, I do like the fact that you have a choice now of like how you want to do things. It's, again, going back to Grand Theft Auto Five, kind of borrowing from that. Where okay, do we go in silent through the gas, or do we go in kicking the door down, bullets firing, kind of thing? Um, I do like that a lot, and I, I'm very, very excited about that. I'm very, very excited about Hitman. I'm definitely gonna buy that when it comes out. Uh, Street Fighter Five. They also talked about as well. It showed some footage from that. And I'm one of those people where I said I'm sorry, but. 
with Mortal Kombat and stuff like that, I would so give up Street Fighter Five and not have a Tomb Raider. Yeah, I was. I'm less and less excited about Street Fighter Five as as it goes along. I get that it's Street Fighter and people are, are jazzed about it, but it just doesn't look like that much of a step up for me. And I felt that way about a few games uh, during Sony's uh, presser, like Firewatch. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? Okay, it looks okay. Even Destiny, the the Taken King. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know. But did you speak of Street Fighter Five? Did you see that 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 story about how they said that the the big boobs on the on the the yeah. female characters was a glitch? Yeah, it's glitch like, no, my it ass. Glitch you my got ass. called on it, and now you're gonna have to fix it. Yeah. So don't even try and act like that was a mistake. Come on, um, they, programmers know exactly what they're doing. I'm sorry. Exactly. Of course, you know, we went to some of the indie game, an indie game I'm actually excited about, a Media Molecules game called Dreams, where if you're an animator. You can create. You, you, you would love this because you get to create your own animations, your paints, uh, claymation. You can do. I think I might buy this because I just want to like, be able to create things. You know, I like I like the use- puppetry that's involved yeah. in it too. I think that was really cool. That once you create something, you you click on a certain spot. I say click. You know, you point to a certain certain spot, and you can animate it by moving uh, certain aspects of the of the controller or your or your stick there on the controller. I think that's. Really neat, and they showed like a piano player at one point, and polar bears. It just looked neat. It looked neat. Of course, we got the big Final Fantasy VII remake trailer as well. People were flipping out over that. And they're saying it's not going to be a direct remake either. That there are going to be some alterations to it. Uh, that was the story that came out, and they're not really. They've been very vague about it. Yeah, they haven't exactly said what the what the aspects are going to be. They're going to change, but it's not going to be just a direct remake of Final Fantasy VII. So it'll be interesting to see what they add on there. Of course, that's a PS4 uh, exclusive. And you were saying more stuff on the Final Fantasy. You've got World of Final Fantasy, which is actually going to be a mobile game, which looked a little more on the kiddish side, but it, it brought back memories of even the first Final Fantasy for, for NES, so that was mm-hmm. really neat. And then they moved on, Nick, to another Final Fantasy game. Exactly. We went to another Final Fantasy game. Uh, and, you know, again, it's one of those things where... Uh, you know, yeah, Final Fantasy. I think it's thirteen or fifteen or whatever it is. Fifteen, yeah, I think. Fifteen. Uh, they they showed a little bit of that. Uh, trailer wise, they didn't show any gameplay at all. But there is a game, James. Now I don't cry over video game announcements, but um, one video game I did almost cry over because the announcement. This is an announcement I've been waiting for for years. Uh, is Shenmue three, and I played the original Shenmue. I played Shenmue two. Love them both. When I saw Yu Suzuki walk on stage, I was like, no, this isn't happening. It's, like, it's one of those things like, don't fuck with me on this. Don't do it. I'm hey, you emotional. had your goodwill hunting moment right I, there. Yeah, it's like, you're like, it's like, it's like, stop it. You know, stop it. You know, uh, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, oh, my God, it's happening. And it says, Shenmue 3, Kickstarter. And I'm so happy this game is being made because they had a $2 million budget. And it soared past that. Uh, it hit, it hit eight hundred thousand dollars when the first hour being announced, mm-hmm. and within the first thirty minutes, it had over eight thousand backers. Uh, some people even dropped ten thousand dollars on the game. Crazy. I mean, I, I know that people have had a huge response to this game, but I, I never expected this kind of a response this quickly. And it, I think it's going to allow them to expand on even what they originally planned, kind of like the Kickstarter that they had. Uh, for another game that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on, where there was just such a huge response for it that they're like, okay, well now we're going to go back and we're going to make it bigger. Exactly, and you know, I, 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 it's just I, I, I love it, man. I can't wait for it. I really, really can't wait for it. I'm excited. I'm going to buy the hell out of it when it comes out. 
Um, they showed a little bit of had some Arkham Knight footage, which is pretty much just Joker being incinerated. And James, you actually saw something very hilarious uh, when we were watching the trailer. I thought to myself when I saw the Joker, because Nick's talked about this a million times, you've heard it on the show. And I'm like, if Joker's eyes open during this trailer, Nick is going to lose his shit and be so upset. And we're going to have a 15-minute rant on a show that's already going to be over two hours long, probably, about why the Joker is alive again, and it's ridiculous. Exactly. Uh, but, no, luckily he was incinerated. And, I mean, in the comics it says that he was burned. You know, Gordon pushed the button and burned him. Uh, they're going to be some exclusive first-person shooter. looks like Scarecrow missions for PS4. Mm. Uh, they also uh, talked about Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Now there's some- bro! Dude, bro! Got some Mountain Dew! Even the guy that was presenting it looked like a dude, bro. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, There was some buzz saying that, you know, uh, Black Ops and Call of Duty, that Sony may have struck a deal with Activision the same way that uh, Microsoft did with Crystal Dynamics and Tomb Raider. Uh, But against Black Ops 3, it's the same kind of shit, I think, every year. It it, it kind of is, except Um, this time Marshawn Lynch will be in it. Exactly. Uh, They announced Star Wars Disney Infinity... Uh, and, which, you know, which is a cool way. I mean, if you've got young kids, like I've got a son that's going to be growing up with Star Wars, it's a good way to get them into it. They've got the exclusive Boba Fett figure that's going to come with the uh, yeah, playset. They've got Rise, uh, Rise of the Empire playset as well. It's their version of Amiibo, pretty much, with Nintendo's yeah, Amiibo. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Sony also did announce a la carte TV, James, but I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, the head of Netflix came out you know, a couple days ago, I believe, and said that... Uh, TV as we know it, uh, as far as cable and stuff like that, and, and just uh, a network TV, it's going to be gone within 10 years probably. Well, and this is the start of that. Yeah. This is how it starts because nobody's offered it, really. Not really. I know that's, that Sling's done some stuff where you can get some uh, a la carte TV programming, but nobody's really offered a here, you pick what you want kind of thing. And right. this is the start of that, and that's why I think it's a big deal. It's only available in select markets. They've only got a couple of channels available right now. But this is how it starts. And I think that in the last few months, we've seen that evolution starting in with HBO saying they're going to do their own thing. CBS is starting to branch out and saying, okay, we'll offer CBS for cord cutters as well. Everybody's going to be a cord cutter soon, but this is how that kind of thing starts. And this is the ground floor. I'm not saying it's the greatest thing in the world, but it's a game changer in that it's like, this is where we're going. And somebody's finally decided to say, okay, let's just do this and we'll add more channels as they become available. Exactly. So, I mean, overall, what was your, well, before we move on... Yeah, we can't, we can't miss the last one now. Yeah. We, we, uh, we, we would have to restart our show like they had to restart the gameplay trailer. Yeah. And, of course, talk about Uncharted 4. And, oh, my God. I my, mean... <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was unbelievable. That whole Jeep chase scene was yeah. just incredible. You want to talk about going out with a bang. It looks like Uncharted 4 Thief's End is going to go out with a gigantic bang. I, I'm just, I can't wait for it. Yes, the trailer had a restart because it was somebody that maybe didn't know how they were on playing or it glitched or whatever, but you know what? Back when they played it the second time around and it fully functional, you saw everything, all the environments, just amazing. The payoff was crazy. Yeah. The payoff was great. And again, going back to the whole Tomb Raider thing, I don't want to talk about it too much, but, uh, you know, somebody I was talking to brought up a great point, and they were saying, you know, if Tomb Raider gets a time exclusive, 
but say the Avengers Times Exclusive of the Year, will people really want Tomb Raider because Uncharted 4 is going to be out, Nathan Drake Collection is going right. to be out. James, you even mentioned, uh, as somebody who has a last-gen console, you have a PlayStation 3, you, you were thinking about, you know, you were talking to me last night, like, hey, I'm thinking about going to Target and just getting, because they have a dual pack of the first two games, I'm just thinking about just getting that. Yeah, and, and that way I'm caught up by the time 4 comes out, and maybe by then I'll be able to afford a PS4, and maybe there'll be a bundle. I can just get the damn bundle and do it that way. So Which I think they will have a bundle for. I, it. I mean, I think that that would be a, that would be a good thing for me to do but it just it looks so amazing and i've always wanted to play uncharted never really had time to to get into it but seeing this may kind of let that fire into me like i have got to play this and get caught up and i'll be honest because i was very critical of the sony presser as a whole as it was going on because like we were talking about before i kind of felt like uh microsoft and sony switched places this year from last year we right. were praising sony all over the place last year and killing microsoft i think it's exact opposite and before uncharted 4 happened because i thought the arkham knight trailer was underwhelming i didn't think there was a big wow factor well, I mean, it was cool but well, i mean the game does come out next tuesday yeah. so which but, i'm definitely buying <laughs> I mean, I before, before uncharted 4 it was almost like this entire presentation would have been a lost cause. Right. I mean, unless you're a huge Final Fantasy fan. I like Final Fantasy, but I'm not as deep into it as, as I was when it was on, you know, first-generation type consoles. Right. So unless you were a huge Final Fantasy fan, there wasn't really much for you other than the Hitman reveal in Uncharted. Right, that, that is true. And that's going to do it for, for day one, I should say, or day zero, or the hell you want to call it. Uh, so It's day one. Screw this day zero <laughs> shit. Let's just call it day one and be done right, with it. So let's just do this before we take a break, James. Uh, winners and losers of day zero, uh, day one. Who, who's your winner? Who's your loser? Microsoft. Big, big winner, especially after how they came out last year. Uh, big loser. Uh, indie game makers for PS4 because Sony pretty much ignored, other than a few revolver tires, the revolver titles, the indie gamers this year. And I think that's a big miss for them that they did so well last year. Uh, I'm gonna go winner. You know, I know I said Xbox. I'm gonna go Ubisoft as my winner this and for Day Zero, just because. Yeah, everything they showed looked great, but it depends on how you play. But the fact that you know what they rebounded, they you know did so much better than they made up pretty much for last year. Um, adding a female Assassin's Creed character in Evie Fry, I can't wait. Uh, we're, mm. we're we're trying to get her on the show, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I think Ubisoft, they, they had a lot of pressure, and they, they did it. Again, it's easy to pick Microsoft because the whole backwards compatibility oh, and rare. Uh, but I'm going to go Ubisoft. Now, my loser, um, EA Sports for me is, is a loser. Now, I mean, EA had some good stuff. But, I mean, outside of, uh, you know, that EA kind of was a loser for me. I mean, I know we had Unravel, Mirror's Edge, and Star Wars, but EA Sports is my loser. But I, but I know people are saying, "Well, you can't. You got to pick like a whole press conference." Well, if I, had to go I didn't. Pre- no, if yeah, I, screw you guys. We can pick what we want. Yeah, that's thing. Like, I'm not gonna. I don't want to go. I can't go Sony only because there are some games that I liked. And I mean, it's the same thing with right. Uh, you know, e- EA, but I think EA Sports really dropped the ball this year, though. Well, that's our winners and losers from day one. You can call it day zero if you want. We're going to call it day one. We're going to come back. Speaking of losers, wait to see how the next day kicked off, and we'll get to that next on Down and Nerdy. This is comic book writer Nancy Collins, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so if you're hearing the annoying dudes uh, 
Well, it's time for Nintendo, and we're going to kick it off, of course, with Nintendo. And, of course, they did their, their digital event again this year, James. I got to tell you, Nintendo needs to be at E3, like physically, not digital yeah. events. Yeah, it just felt off, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Puppets, Muppets, it felt I like off. that. I, I like that. Like They opened up with Star Fox Zero, and that's great. But I'm like, it's just... <laughs> they I mean, it was a cute, sure, but... But what I'm saying is, like, digital event, like, your Nintendo, like, be there. You know what I'm saying? You got the money. You were, be you there. were supposed to be the big boys, okay? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Seriously, what are you doing? I mean, Star Fox Zero, you blow your load in the beginning. Yeah. Because it was pretty cool. I mean, the ships can walk now. Gameplay well, looks very say, Star fox and Well, also, you get, the, you get the different camera angles. You get the first angle, uh, the, the cockpit view on the gamepad for the Wii U, and you get third person on the television. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, like... You know, they did Skylander Superchargers for the Amiibo, uh, Zelda, the Zelda Triforce Heroes and, and Hyrule Warriors. No news Warriors. from last year's Zelda, by the way. No, the that's the thing. Like, I want to talk about that. There was no, no Zelda, you know, uh, no news of the new Zelda game they showed last year, which was going to be for Wii U. And I, I, I'm very disappointed in, in, in Nintendo, dude, I mean, because... Hyrule Warriors coming to 3DS? Yay. Metroid I mean, Prime Federation Force. For yeah, 3DS? where the hell is the new Metroid game? You know what people who love Metroid love? Metroid Soccer said no one <laughs> ever. What the hell was that? Yeah, and I mean, also, there's this mystery NX project that they yeah. talk about. They wouldn't say anything about. Is it a new system? Could it be maybe a new like adult themed arm of Nintendo that's going to be coming uh, next year? We don't know. There was just so much where you went, what? Yeah, and the thing is, like, with Nintendo, I was just, you know, I was looking at this, I'm like, so no new Metroid, no new F-Zero, you know, and you mentioned something, like, last night, too, dude, that, like, NX might be maybe, like, their adult version of Nintendo or like that, or, you know, they're at, when they're seeing, like, they're maybe their F-Zeros and their Metroids and stuff like that, but still, like, no nothing of that, but what we get, we got a brand new Animal Crossing slash Mario Party game. Yay. Yay. Uh, Mario Maker, which of course I know you're actually excited for. I, I'm jazzed for that. I would play the hell out of that for hours. Just, uh, I mean, people were excited about Mario Luigi Paper Jam. I've never been a Mario Paper guy. I think one of the biggest announcements they had was for a game that's been out for years that's never been available really in the U.S., and that was Earthbound Beginnings, and that's going to be on their digital store, and it's not even a new game, but I'm yeah. more excited about that. Then the new games. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Yoshi's Woolly World, I'm actually excited about that because, like, you get the different skins, like, you know, the Mario skins, so Yoshi looks like Mario, yeah. like a Yarn Mario and stuff like that, or Samus or whatever. Yarn was a real theme this year. Yarn actually. was a theme this year. <laughs> pretty soon it's going to be a porno that's just yarn, pretty oh, much. Oh, gosh. Yarn that's fetish. Just, that's, a lot, that's a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know who'd enjoy that? Kittens. That's... You're mixing bestiality and Just fetishes. Just saying, who likes yarn more than kittens? <sighs> Grandmothers. It's oh oh. See, <laughs> you thought mine was bad. That's I think that's worse. Oh, I'm just saying. I needed you a sweater, James. <laughs> Are you getting in the mood right now, Ethel? <laughs> Come on, Ernest. The new kid, the kids are playing with the yarn balls. Just put me in the mood. Fetch me my pills. <laughs> uh, suddenly I can't help but wonder what chain smoking granny thinks about this well chain smoking granny thinks is I don't want to hear about fucking yarn balls I just want to watch my stories 
<laughs> and then the ash flicked off and burned down. <laughs> exactly. I burned a hole in my dress and singed my vagina. <laughs> it's okay, though, because Murder, She Wrote Songs, a new story. Now let me give the baby a kiss. <laughs> Elsa's my sister. I thought you were dead. <laughs> people are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we went from talking about Nintendo well, and yard. I mean, after what Nintendo brought? And <laughs> after what Nintendo brought, what is there to talk about? I want them to be good so bad. I actually thought Nintendo would have a better presser than Sony after Sony's disappointment. I thought Nintendo was really going to come back and bring it this year like Microsoft did. They didn't. It was just as... The Nintendo CEO... Came out and apologized. Yeah. For when your CEO, 24 hours later, apologizes for the thing that they painstakingly worked on for months, maybe even a year. How, but what is wrong with you, Nintendo? Get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when Nintendo was just like, I understand Mario is, of course, you know, it's the 30th anniversary. So, a cool thing, you upload your Mario videos and stuff like that. We're totally doing uh, that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, but my thing is just like, no new Zero, no new Zelda, or Donkey Kong. And I hear something about Donkey Kong. I'm like, I'm surprised there hasn't been like a new Donkey Kong game. And then I realize, well, could it be because kind of like Universal and the Hulk, James, where Nintendo has the character, but Microsoft has the rare rights. So it's, maybe it's they Adam can... West Batman all over again. Yeah. It's going to be a battle once they finally do want to make a new. Yet, yet he can be in pixels. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, we can't. We can get him in the well, movie, but we can't get a new that's game. Different Donkey Kong. This is a Donkey Kong Country Donkey Kong. Even this still, is, yeah, still. I mean, come on. Let let's let's do. I mean, quit putting him in Mario Kart and stuff like that, and let's well, let's overall, get a Donkey Kong game. Overall, it's disappointing. So before we move on to Square Enix, James, uh, very quickly, uh, what should Nintendo do next year to improve and and to you know get people excited about Nintendo again? Because a lot of people were actually tweeting us saying like you know. They should stick more to handhelds. It looks like they're going more towards the mobile route. Honestly, dude, I would new 52 it. I would Secret Wars it. I would blow up the whole thing. I would create all new characters. Reboot honestly. Nintendo. Why not? I mean, what have they got to lose? I know we talk about hating reboots, but as bad as things are right now, what have they got to lose? Look what happened when Nintendo came out and they had all these new characters. You know, and they were competing with Atari at the time, which I know doesn't seem hard, but it really was. And they came out with all this fresh stuff, and everybody was so excited. Sega did the same thing when they wanted to compete with Nintendo. They came out with Sonic and all kinds of new characters and new concepts. They have to do that now. Yeah. They have no choice. And they need to stop focusing so much on stuff that they perceive to be adult with the Japanese-themed games like Xenoblade and Chronicles and stuff like that. Yeah. That's not going to cut it. You, in, in America. You've yeah. got to focus on something else. I think that with Nintendo, here's, here's there's a few things they need to do. A, they need to actually be at E3, stop with the digital events. Um, two, they need to... I don't think they need to reboot. I think they just need to freshen the ideas. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of making another Mario Tennis, just make like, another Mario game. Like, a brand new IP Mario game, you know? Yeah, or, stop crutching on the kind of sports games yeah uh you know new metroid zelda be fine you know yeah create new characters you know uh you know expand upon older characters you know, i would love to see like another kirby's dream world you know or something like that you I know mean, they tried last year with toad treasure hunter which i thought looked pretty cute and uh they've got games like splatoon that look good but then they don't focus on it 
It's like yeah. they, they do two seconds of it and then they push it to the side because they don't think, think nobody's going to be interested. Yep. And so, yeah. You got to take some chances. Yeah, you got to take some chances. Take some chances. Square Enix is kind of taking a little bit of chances uh, at their press conference. Of course, you know, we talked about Tomb Raider and now they have the new Go, the Lara Croft Go game, which I want to talk about a little bit, James. So that was pretty interesting, actually, for mobile. Yeah, it actually looked like a classic Tomb Raider look, and they've already got Hitman Go that's that's out already. And, and Hitman for, Sniper. Yeah, and for mobile gaming, it, it looks pretty cool. I mean, it looks like it's going to be like an old style. Tomb Raider type game that you'd be able to play. So, I mean, that as a companion for uh, the Rise of the Tomb Raider, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then, you know, I think that's a really good companion for Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, of course, talked about Tokyo RPG Factory, which is a new company that's going to be making RPG games for them. Uh, they talked about Kingdom Hearts 3, of course, along with Kingdom Hearts 3. You got some footage for that as well. It's a Disney Facebook characters page. were in there. They had Goofy yep. in there and stuff like that. It looked, it, looked, it looked fun, but I'll tell you, the game that stuck out to me. Yeah, and I mean, I know people are gonna think I'm, I'm gonna say Deuce X Mankind divided. No, just cause three. Holy <laughs> I, I, shit! I just want to take a moment though to pause for a second because people are probably saying it's Deus X asshole. There's probably there's probably like people flipping out right now, like gamers. You know what? Like, I'm glad. I'm glad they're flipping that out. Deuce X is Deus X. It looks more like douche X. Come on. Man. <laughs> another uh, dude bro type thing just, to me. But. but Just Cause 3 does look great. Like, it's, it's just destruction and pure annihilation. Like, you're visiting your mom's hometown. It's so like, how do you celebrate your mother's home city and hometown? You destroy it. Yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, come on. The winged suit. New winged suit. upgraded grapple where you can bring down, like, four helicopters at the and same time. And not 400 square miles of sandbox gaming. I mean, come on. This is like... This game is completely on steroids. It's crazy. Yeah, and of course... Yeah, that game was really, really crazy. It looks insane. But quickly, I want to talk about this. Square Enix, again, fell into the whole Bethesda trap. But they went on too long, man. It was over two hours. About two hours and 16 minutes. And you can tell when they went they went over because they ended it, like, 16 after. Yeah, it was funny, too, because there was a point in their presser where they introduced a new Nier game. Yeah. But they showed the trailer, and they and they never it was over. It was. There were like two guys that clapped and went, yay, because nobody knew what the hell it was. So they actually, they finally had to say, oh, by the way, this is a new Nier game. That's not the late at last, that's not the title that it's going to be, but it'll be, <laughs> it's kind of in the very early stages. We just wanted to let you know what was going on. They did the same thing with the Tokyo RPG Factory. They said, oh, we're working on this secret game called Project something that started with an S. I don't really remember. But, and they showed you some stills of what seemed like a Japanese, uh, small Japanese town type thing. Yep. So it's like, okay, great. So you've got the RPG factory and you're going to focus more on RPGs. I actually like that they're going to do that. But to me, other than games that were already shown the previous day, there wasn't a whole lot going on from Square Enix. And I love Square Enix. I think they make great, great games, great products. But problem is, is their games were already shown previous days and previous pressers so by the time you got to square enix i was like yeah all right whatever yeah i mean that's the thing that's the problem with, with day two day two for me is, is like that engine that just won't turn over you, know, you turn the key and you're just like come on just turn over start and it just doesn't and it was like t- day two is almost like in case you missed it day yeah because for all the major games it was like well in case you missed it yesterday Here's the same footage, or I mean, they showed there was there was a hitman different footage from hitman, and there was some different footage there, and, and that's cool because that's their thing. 
Yeah. But there was so much shown, and they got to the main points already. So it was like, unless you're showing me brand new like gameplay footage, unless you're showing me a mission, what difference does it make? Exactly. And of course, the the you know it wrapped up day two wrapped up with the PC gaming show. It was actually oh. the first ever PC gaming show. And uh, well, James, I'll I'll, I'll I'll give you the reins for this. As somebody who used to be a PC gamer, a lot. They did. This did not need to happen. First of all, pretty much all the games they showed, with a few exceptions, they didn't wow you, not just because of the concepts. Graphically, for, for I mean, when you come out and show me those new Radeon cards that are small and look badass and are going to take gaming to the next level, when you need a dual fan on a video game card, that's some serious shit right there. Yeah, When, not when you show me the 16 teraflop yeah. board, that's exciting. And then you show me a game like... And you know what? I'm going to be a little critical here. Like Killing Floor 2, which okay. is basically gore, 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 gore. Or you show me Strafe, which was the uh, which is the yeah. gameplay they did. I'm like, what am I even looking at? How is this presentable? Yeah. And I mean, I know it's fun for some people, but it's like, graphically, you show me these cards and then you show me this? Yeah. I mean, there were other ones like uh, Rising Storm 2, which is based on Vietnam, which is done by the same people that did uh, Killing Floor 2. It looks great. Total War, Warhammer. Looked yep. awesome. I mean, gunboats, redcoats, Romans, <clears throat> battles from over the centuries. Yeah, let's do that. And of course, the people that made uh, Killing Floor and uh, is a uh, tripwire. They did. Yeah, they tripwire, did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, for PC Game Show, you know, Day Nine hosted the show. I, I it just didn't I need mean, to happen. There I mean, was some fun stuff like Planet Coaster. Yeah, it looked fun. Yeah, I uh, mean, if you're it, a trucker. It, hey, American Truck Simulator. Pl- yeah, America and. And trucks and freedom rigs. And you can go else. to this Denny's and that Denny's, and, and you can pick up this lot lizard and that lot lizard and have a lot lizard three way. I yeah. mean, it's like the, the most exciting thing that they really had, other than again stuff that was already shown in previous pressers, was Killer Instincts coming to PC. Yeah, but by the way, people are wondering what a lot lizard is. Um, it's a term. It's a trucker term for prostitute that you would find at truck stops. They call them lot it's, lizards. It's, it's like the uh, redneck version of Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, tons more freedom. But, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Those but, girls would do things that the other girls just won't do. Yeah. Shape, I was a lot lizard once. I used to be paid to put cigarettes oh, in my vagina. Stop it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you take uh, a puff and bad things happen. Uh, yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, it didn't need to happen. It was too long. Again, it was like two fucking too hours. Way too long. Like holy shit, man! Like I'm, I'm sorry. I fell asleep during part of it, dude. They had more mic problems. Oh my god! I've seen mics work better in the WWE if they've been used to bash somebody over the fucking yeah, head. Yeah, than much. At the PC gaming show. Oh my god, that was and, horrific. And I know people are probably upset because go like, oh, what about No Man's Sky? That looked pretty cool. And then you got Armor Three and Gears and Guild Wars Two and the demos coming out. And it's like, you know what? That's fine. I wasn't that impressed. And in a sense, Killing Instinct, Killer Instinct, and like Gears coming to PC isn't surprising because it's Microsoft. Of course, right. it's going to go to PC. And so. I know they said Gears is going to have an Ultimate Edition on PC. Yeah. That's fine. But I mean, they're they're mm. standard games that that are PC games. I mean, yeah, maybe they focused on indie a little bit, and that's not a bad thing. But don't show me these impressive new hardware pieces for the next generation of PC gaming and then show me shit graphics. Exactly. Then, you know, one game that I liked, though, uh, I think for me it was the gold nugget out of everything, was Planet Coaster. Uh, at first, yeah. I actually thought it was like a hipster Sims game, like Gentrification Tycoon. Uh-huh. 
But it's um, actually uh, the successor to Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, which is, of course, a theme park builder. Yeah, and I'm excited about that. I know our angry fat guy, Cody's going to probably get oh, that as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, Chris Roberts, of course, via video, talked about Star Citizen, and it actually received an astonishing $84 million in funding. And that's why they're actually, that was the game we were talking about from earlier. That's why they're going to kind of, like, okay, we're going to take a little bit of extra time because now... We ended up with way more money than we expected, so we're going to go back and we're yeah. going to add more stuff. Yeah, one of the games also I like too is uh, called Beyond Eyes, where you pretty much you play this blind girl and you're walking through this like white yeah that was pretty paper cool. world, and you know she's blind, so she's our senses. So as you're walking and progressing, you're hearing things. Things will appear like on the screen. You know, it was yeah, pretty you cool. Th- you think things are things that they're not, and you find out what they are as you yep. go. Um, I mean, Dirty Bomb looked pretty cool too. They had a character yeah. called the Phantom in that game that was, you know, had like a kind of disappearing, reappearing thing. You can actually play that for free right now, DirtyBomb.com. But I mean, I was underwhelmed. I mean, they tried to be funny. They really weren't. No. Uh, the host was okay. Uh, I think he was part of the reason that it dragged on as long as it did. But well, again, it was the first time. But it was just one of those last things. time. <clears throat> Be the yeah. last time, because wow. Yeah. yeah, there was no reason for it. I mean, no. you know, it's like I said, we're both tech guys. We don't talk about a lot of the show, but you know, it's it's one of those things we do play computer games. And it's just yeah. one of those things where it's like it didn't wow me. Like I said, I fell asleep during this thing. You know, it's yeah. like okay, there was nothing that caught my eye or maybe go. I need this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. And not to mention, let's let's be honest with ourselves. PC gaming is the most expensive platform. Oh there. God, yeah. I mean, you've got to spend thousands of dollars, and then your technology is going to be obsolete quickly. So you got to keep spending, spending, spending. So you got to invest a lot. So when you're not showing me anything from like League of Legends, you're not giving me anything new from games like that. I mean, yeah. you drop the ball. And I mean, I want to talk about some random stuff that weren't really part of any press conferences, like uh, just some bullet points here. Rock Band. Uh, 4 is going to be compatible with its old instruments from the old games. Which is good. Which is very good. They're going to also transfer the DLCs as well, so that's cool. Uh, Mad Max looked pretty intense. Watch some of the gameplay trailers for that. Not as intense as the movie looked, but it still looks pretty awesome. Uh, XCOM 2 was boring. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, IGN. Uh, XCOM 2 looked boring. I know that you had to get the demo in there. What I did think was pretty cool looking, though, was Transformers Devastation. Yeah. Because... They are using first-gen Transformers graphics. Yes. Which I think is really neat. So, yeah, I'm all about that. Let's play some of that. Uh, Of all the LEGO games, the one that stuck out to me the most was LEGO Dimensions. Yep. Because you kind of work in, like, the Back to the Future stuff, the DC stuff all together. And by the way, Christopher Lloyd is going to be Doc Brown in it. Yes, so excited for that. And we didn't see a new banjo. Yeah, I'm like, come on. Y'all have been waiting for a new banjo game, for Christ's sakes. I mean, I, I know that there's going to be a, a Kickstarter for, I think it's, what, uh, uh, Ukulele? Yeah. And it, it did really well, so they're going to increase the scope Which of that is game pretty now. Much, I, I believe the story of that game is, I believe one of the, the developers for Banjo, I believe, left. He said, you know what, yeah. I'm going to make my own banjo-esque game yeah so that's why it's called that so i mean know, if, so. If, if that's the reason we're not getting a new one then then i get it right um it's just almost like e3 just seemed like so all-encompassing this year it was i don't feel like there's anything we didn't see there's stuff that i wished would have been done better but i don't feel like anything was left out as a matter of fact i almost feel like there was too much yeah in a weird way yeah it's a lot um <sighs> Day one was good, but like I said, day two is just one of those things where I'm like, oh my god! If you get, it's one of those things where you get slotted to day two, you just 
it's not good, man. Day two you know? was was the was blowing the wide open layup when there's nobody around you in basketball. Pretty much, to me. pretty much. You know, but speaking of slamming things home, we're gonna slam this episode of Down Nerdy home, and we're gonna end it. So. Again, thank you to everybody who, you know, we got a ton of new followers on Facebook, ton of new followers on Twitter uh, through our E3 uh, coverage. So, again, James and I worked tirelessly on it. Uh, I know a lot of people actually, some people actually sent me some messages saying, hey, that was great what you guys did. Um, Because it is. It's a lot of work putting it, you know, for the two of us. It's a ton. It really is. And pretty much, uh, if you listen to this now, uh, James and I were actually taking the weekend off because we need a Lazarus pit. Uh, There's a few laps in the Lazarus pit there calling our names. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah we're to, so we're going to take the weekend off from posting and everything else. But we'll be back Monday, of course, with me Monday and our regularly scheduled postings, you know, comics and stuff schedule as, as it we've goes. Got, we've got some exciting stuff for you headed forward. Of course, we'll be covering San Diego Comic-Con uh, coming up in July as well. And, of course, we've always got the movies that we're going to be reviewing for you. Interviews going to be coming up, some big stuff. And you can follow it all at facebook.com slash downandnerdy. We're on Twitter, as you probably found out, at downandnerdy757. I'm at James Ace with him, Nick. I'm also at uh, Merc with One Arm. And I almost forgot for a second, which, oh, my God, if you go back a few episodes that – Oh my god, that one time I couldn't uh, get my Twitter name. Yes, that was fantastic. Best yeah. blooper reel ever. Yes. And uh but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Merck with one arm. Uh you know, we also have a phone number you can contact us at as well, James. And also an Amazon store. Yep, it's uh the phone number is seven five seven five one two eight two two nine. That's how you can get your fan questions in. You can also email them to down and nerdy podcast at gmail.com and our online store you can actually access through Facebook there's a little shop now button powered by Amazon 100% safe and secure so if you saw a game you liked go to our Amazon store you can pre-order it there you can order any of the games that are already out and everything all the accessories it's all there exactly and that being said uh, don't yeah, forget they... Bob Fantasy Escape Comics mm-hmm. and Cards of Virginia Beach don't want to forget to go see Bob, get all your comics, especially leading up to San Diego. Exactly. And again, that being said, uh, you know, again, thank you everybody for checking us out this week and, you know, enjoying our E3 coverage. We're glad we were able to, brought to you, bring it to you. Of course, San Diego Comic Con's coming up within, like, what, next month or so? Yep, less than a month away. Oh, God. So we, meet, we need so much resting up for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as always, I leave you with this. Press safe comic reading, always back and forth to comics. And next week's show will be back to the regular format. So, again, thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week.